Today's episode of Laced Up a Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Smoke and Mirrors Media. Smoke and Mirrors Media is a creative media production company specializing in photography and videography. Their services provide creative content for clients that offer extraordinary advertising and exposure opportunities that will help any size and type of business stand out from the competition. Whether you're a struggling artist with a small budget or a successful business with some extra cash, Smoke and Mirrors Media can take your venture to the next level. Professional photography offers your websites, brochures, and social media outlets the opportunity to shine. Professional videography creates an opportunity that allows potential customers and clients to get an in-depth look into your unique venture. James, you got yourself a unique venture at all? Like a custom-colored Chevy venture or anything like that? No. 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 Pretty ventureless. Too bad. What is your... Because, like, they don't really make a lot of vans anymore. Not Mercedes. Like... Yeah, because they make like a like a caravan. Yeah, it's still around. What's your favorite now defunct van? The Aerostar. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an Astro van guy myself. That okay. was it. Just a cube, a cube before we had the Nissan Cube. It's more of a cube than a Nissan Cube is really. Like if that thing tipped, my dad had one. If that thing ever tipped. That you could have rolled a six, you could have rolled a one with that thing. It was a perfect. It was a six-sided die. That's fair. You know. Yeah, we got into a weird era there in the late eighties, early nineties, where all of our vans had to look like the Challenger space shuttle for some That's reason. Right. Yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, to pay homage to. <laughs> right. R.I.P. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember uh, to his mom. Uh, that'll get bleeped out. Had a, uh, a pony or a fucking a transport. Remember that? Never but it was that. like, it was like, it was, it, but it's just a Montana. Like it was, there was a Montana, there was a transport. I think the venture was the same thing. Like uh, it, there was an era of time. If you, if this uh, predates your, your uh, car driving experience for a listener of this podcast, there was a time where there were like 14 different car brands that you could just go to a, like a car dealership here in, in Canada and buy a vehicle on. But, like, of the 14 brands and the 10 different makes and models, there was only, like, six choices. Like, all the cars looked the same. Like, the Sentra was the same as, like, a, a Kia Rio for a bit. And, like, they all just kind of, they were all in bed with each other, you know? So, sorry, does Smoke and Mirrors have a van? Uh, Smoke and Mirrors Media doesn't just deal with commercial shoots, but also private shoots as well. Wedding and engagement photos, family portraits, and even more can be available through Smoke and Mirrors, and nobody does it better. Visit smokeandmirrorsmedia.ca for more information, and follow at smokeandmirrors.media on Instagram for more information. Watch out for the van. And, yeah, if you've got a van, Mike can take a beautiful picture of it. Please enjoy this week's show. Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Uh, speaking of not good enough, your top players didn't produce much of anything in this series. Does it add to the frustration that you guys uh, really didn't uh, hold up your end of the bargain? No, we love that. We love going without a point in, in three days for sure. It's great. Ryan Rashog, TSN.
For Sunday, March 14th, 2021, set your clocks back an hour. It's the Laced Up Hockey Podcast. This one's only going to run about 20 minutes due to daylight savings time. Uh, I am Bruce Pataglia from the Eastern Standard Time Zone. That's good, Pat. Yeah. That's good. I, yeah. I hope you still are uh, yeah. this time again tomorrow. I was thinking about it this morning how I've always found western cities a little sexier you know like i think the later like there's something interesting about it being like it's 10 o'clock there but it's 12 o'clock out where like you got friends out in thunder bay there's just something cool about that i think you know like when i'm on vacation out west it's kind of neat like just all my friends are in bed but it's like 11 o'clock at night my nights just just, yeah just getting going you know what i mean there's something cool about that and the fact that like for the western hockey teams you wait all night to see them you know like, that's kind of cool. And, I mean, if you're waiting all, all night for a Western Canadian hockey team, you know, I'm sorry for the wait, for the letdown. But, it, you know, there's something cool about that anticipation. Yeah, once in a while. I don't mind it. If I was a, like, tried and tested Canucks fan, probably get pretty tired of watching that tire it, fire at 10 o'clock at night every night. It would be very annoying, too, if you work a 9 to 5, like, at 4 o'clock all the NHL games are starting out east and it's like you can't ever watch any yeah, of those because like everyone bitches about how you know what I mean they gotta go to bed before the western games on out out east but like if this, the problem's just as bad out west like they're there's a lot of them are still at work by the time you get to happy hour when you could still go to bars like you know it's middle of the second period at best ah happy hour yeah yeah what I wouldn't give for a happy hour at Earl's right now in addition to Daylight Savings Time, it's the one-year anniversary extravaganza of that little friend of ours, oh, yeah. COVID-19, uh, not, not vaccine, the, yeah. the pandemic. Yeah, that whole thing. That's a year. Yeah. I mean, you, you heard our 69th episode, and you heard our uh, 100th episode, and now you have our one-year of COVID uh, anniversary special this week. Just it's a bad time to start a podcast. Yeah, yeah, the glory days of, like, 2016. You remember how good things were in 2015? Fuck, that was a good time. Like, if you think about 2015, Trump hadn't been president yet. Mm-hmm. He was on the radar. We but, were all laughing about it. But it was it. funny at yeah. the time, right? Because it's like, oh, yeah. my God, look at it. get a load of this fucking asshole, you know what I mean? I'd vote for him just to be yeah. fucking hilarious. <laughs> That's probably not a good idea. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, fuck, yeah. Like, it, it was never going to happen, and then it happened. But those were the days. Like, you know, that was before, like, I think Harambe was still alive back then. That was really when things took a shit. Now, know? as a sports fan, I will say 2015, a great time for baseball. Uh, not so great a time for uh, my hockey team. That, those were the pre-Austin Matthews days. That's that's so, true. Well, you take the good with the bad, exactly. right? You take the good, you take the bad, and... Take them both, and there you have my opening statement. There you go. You know? Harambe, uh, for what it's worth, May 28th, 2016. I think we can all agree nothing good has happened since that date. It really has been downhill pretty right? much from there. Rest in peace, Harambe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, it's a hockey podcast. Uh, I'm still James Cole. No, I, I want to talk I about the eight I'd, for 20 I'll... minutes, to be honest. <laughs> You were saying? <laughs> I, was, I was trying to find a, a, a lace to monkey joke somewhere, but I couldn't. I couldn't uh, make it. 
Speaking of apes, Tom Wilson's in the news. Oh, oh, baby. <laughs> oh, I guess we'll do that now then. All right, Tom Wilson. Let's just get Oh, yeah. Way. He was out there. I had to do it. That's I didn't know fair. what was first on the breakdown. So. I, hey, hey, I don't fault you for not knowing what's on the breakdown because I, I usually put that in order. So, um, yeah, all right. That's that's not a bad segue. Uh, Tom Wilson has been suspended for seven <laughs> games by the NHL. Yeah. Uh, as a result of a boarding, I think, is the official... Uh, explanation for for why he's they went with boarding yeah um i suppose you could have called it a couple things to some degree but they went with boarding which like and i'm not saying it's right or wrong but i i don't remember the last time a guy got suspended for boarding Mm, i usually don't pay attention definitely not definitely not multi-game suspension yeah I, i gotta be honest with you i don't I have really, obviously, like, I have a hockey podcast. Like, I pay attention to hockey quite a bit. You guys have all heard my hockey knowledge at this point. We're, what, 105 episodes in or whatever. I I know a lot of useless shit. For whatever reason, like, I know what hand almost every player that I've ever been aware of shoots. But I couldn't tell you specific rulings on suspensions ever. Or the game amount or anything. Like, I don't don't remember these after they've happened, for the most part. Mm -hmm. So... Boarding, not boarding, it doesn't really make a difference to me. It was was it a dangerous hit or not when it happens? And so yeah, he uh, he gets the the boarding call uh, in a game against the Boston Bruins in which he hits uh, Brandon Carlo in the corner. Uh, Carlo had to be helped off of the ice and uh, was taken to hospital. Um, I, I actually didn't follow up and, and hear how he's doing, but uh, I, I assume if uh, there's no news, that's probably good news in a sense uh, on Brandon Carlo. Um, the suspension is still subject to NHLPA appeal, although it doesn't seem as though at this point, uh, that that is going to be, uh, coming down the pipeline. Uh, Wilson will miss seven games for the Capitals and, uh, will forfeit over $300,000 in salary. Uh, his first suspension since 2018, I believe it was when he had the big one in the playoffs. Yeah. It's uh, just, uh, you know, here we go again, talking about Tom Wilson and uh, missing time in the NHL. And uh, I think there was a, a gap of time there, brief as it may have been, that uh, you know some people may have hoped that we had seen the last of these types of hits from from Tom Wilson. But yeah, but I mean, here we are. How how naive are we, really? Right? Like that's you know, if you chose to believe that, that's good for you. But yeah, I mean, like you you see it in other players. Like, sure, you know, sure. There, are, there are guys that have found a way to turn the corner and and you know tone things down. And I'm not saying that they have to be a a model citizen. I'm not disagreeing with you, but who specifically are you referring to that has done that? Because um, if you because if you give me Brad Marchand, uh, you, you're losing me already. No, for sure. No, Brad, <laughs> like, I, do, I certainly would not give you <laughs> no. Brad Marchand. Come on. Um, yeah, no. Off the top of my head, it's it would be a hard hard to come up with a uh, a foregone conclusion. Um, I have a theory on Tom Wilson. Okay, and I've kind of had it for a long time, but this hit really made it evident, like openly evident to me. Tom Wilson is a big guy who likes to hit that I don't think is actually all that good at hitting. I got to be honest with you because. How how fucking often is this going to happen? 
And everyone's just going to be like, oh, but the intent wasn't there. The intent wasn't there. He's changed. The intent wasn't there. He's a nice guy. It, Tom Wilson's a nice guy. So he he's either, uh, he's either fucked or he genuinely doesn't seem to know how to hit all that well for a lot of this to happen. Because when it happens a couple times, if the Carlo hit were the first time this had happened, I would say, okay, you know, maybe coming in a little too fast or something like whatever but like it seems to happen all the time where it's just like man if he was a split second later or if he why is he going in for all these hits in the first place he's going in because he's trying to hurt the player we all know that i'm not saying it's an attempt to injure every time Mm -hmm. he's trying to hurt them though yeah and Every single time when this happens and it's borderline, it's like if he had done something slightly different or if the other guy had done something slightly different. Like, get the fuck out of here with that stuff. I'm sick of hearing that shit. To me, it's just an issue of a guy who I honestly don't think is pure evil or anything like that. I genuinely don't think he's a great hitter. He's a he's a physical player that I think isn't as good at hitting as people think he is. Because he's constantly making these mistakes. And then we have to reconcile why it's happening. And I'm starting to think he genuinely is just not as great at throwing body checks as we think he is. And that and that's something... Uh, I don't that, know what else to say anymore. You know, I haven't heard that take before. That's, that's certainly interesting because I don't think a lot of people consider hitting as a skill per se. It's just something that you do. Um, you don't have to consider it one, but anyone who's played the game like sure. you and I knows that it is. Yeah. Right? There, there's a science behind it. And, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I've watched the hit enough times where I think that it's a it's one of those dangerous plays in the game. Now, look, this, this, is, this is Tom Wilson throwing the hit, and I don't think you can separate the player from the play in every case. But... Not when it's Tom Wilson. Yeah, right. Right. Like, I mean, like if Jacob Verana comes in and throws that hit, you know, everyone would sit here and be like, "Okay, he's played 200 NHL games, mm-hmm. and this is the second time he's thrown a hit." Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm sure he didn't mean it. But like with Tom Wilson, he throws hits all the time, and he's tried to make a career out of doing so. So, at some point, you have to be accountable for your actions. The amount of times he's tried to fucking murder a dude in the middle of the ice is more than zero. Right. So uh, you're right. Like, like that's the whole thing for me. If it's if it wasn't Tom Wilson, like you you lose me immediately there. Tom Wilson has made his bed, and he he is more than prepared to lie in it. And it's been a hundred and something games since the last time he got suspended. And by all accounts, he seems like he's doing a little bit better at not doing this kind of shit. Yeah. And this but wasn't like, uh, this wasn't the classic Tom Wilson play that you're referring to either. This wasn't the open ice. Guy sure. looking back over his shoulder, catch him in the trolley track, ten hit. This was a guy that was lined up against the boards, and I th- I think this is just a hit that went wrong more so than you know uh, a true attempt to and, put the guy in the hospital. And, and maybe, but for Tom Wilson, like that that was sort of the understanding was like when he got that twenty game suspension, it was kind of like. Okay, you have a choice to make now. You either are going to... You need to throw the rest of your hits clean mm-hmm. or just stop hitting. Yeah. And he's like, well, no, I'm going to keep hitting because that's what I do best. And that's and he's not that good at that either. But he, uh, he decided to keep doing it and that's perfectly fine. But, you know, that's where we're at now is when you do something that is potentially borderline, uh, 
you're going to get more games than you maybe you would see a, a Jacob Verana get in that instance, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, oddly enough, Tom Wilson not considered a repeat offender for this play because of the expiration on the uh, terminology that the, is it the Department of Player Safety goes by? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think you do have to have a limit on what constitutes a repeat offender. Like, you do have to have an expiry date at some point. A guy, like a Stan Makita, who notoriously went out for the Chicago Blackhawks and racked up, you know, 15 penalty minutes a night, turns himself into a Lady Bing winner by year 20. Okay, well, yeah, by sure. by year 20, we probably shouldn't be calling the guy a repeat offender anymore. So I, I do think that there does need to be some sort of time limit on, on these sort of definitions. Sure. I don't know if we have the right time limit. Yeah, like... Um, I'm not saying I have the right time limit in mind. Less but... than three years uh, in which we barely played hockey in one of those calendar years. Um, yeah, doesn't doesn't really count to me. A specific number of games, perhaps, That's... instead of a, a Yeah, and, and it, but again, like, the number of games... Correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I didn't look it up, or this is another source I'm hearing this from, is 150 games between suspensions. It's less than two seasons. That's not a lot of time. That's that's not a lot of time. Like, oh, good, you you haven't tried to kill a guy in almost two seasons. Good for you. I thought it was a period of get months. Get the fuck out of here. Like, so well, what, whatever yeah. the fuck it is, the 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 period the, the the example that you're referring to where you shouldn't be a repeat offender is the Stan Makita situation, or you're you're right. Like a guy doesn't guy doesn't even come close to doing anything for like five six years. But like. There have been instances since then where we're like, holy fuck, Tom Wilson's getting suspended, and then he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't the first time he's done something bad in that time either. So, I don't know. Like, I don't I don't have a lot of time for Tom Wilson. I don't, uh, I don't, he's one of the few players I, I don't care. I don't give a fuck about that he exists or anything. I don't have enough energy in my body to pay him uh, no mind. Well, then, um... Maybe maybe we wrap up on Tom Wilson then because like I, I don't know I don't have anything else I'm, to really talk about. In terms I thought of... seven was fine. Like like I would yeah I, don't I would love to see it be uh, eighty, but hard to make that case because it it wasn't that bad of mm-hmm. a hit. It was a it was a hit that I think probably deserves um, a couple games, regardless of who it is, but. You know, I understand that it might have not even been called a penalty if it was certain other guys, too. So It wasn't a penalty, uh, technically. <laughs> well, that, that's what I mean. And then yeah. we just move on from right. there, right? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm good with seven because it's, uh, it's at least acknowledging that this guy has a pattern of behavior here. Yeah. It, uh, another, another thing that I don't think a lot of people were taking into consideration when, when that, I, I, you know... Seven, I agree with. I know a lot of people are fine with it, but there are some that were calling for double digits and all this. And it's like, well, I mean, I'm not trying to use it as an excuse for Tom Wilson, but when you're playing an 82-game schedule versus a 56-game schedule, seven games is a lot of your season. A lot more of your season than what it would be. Well, yeah, if it's an 82-game schedule, you hope it's scaled up, which I think the equivalent would then be 10-ish, right? That's that's good for me because this is the guy who 
you know, and, and like the whole argument, like, is it fair to tell Tom Wilson that he's not allowed to hit and everyone else is allowed to hit? Yes, that is fair. Because he's fucked it up enough times that he shouldn't be allowed to fucking do it anymore. <laughs> That's where I'm wow. at. Like, wow. Then fucking retire. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you want from me. Like, you fucked it up. Somebody's going to pay him. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty much on the nose in terms of, uh, of, of of what should have been handed down for Tom Wilson. It's it's a shame that we got to keep having the same conversation about this guy. But, uh, I mean, if he, he keeps getting suspensions, we'll keep talking about him, I guess. Yeah, I'm really sick of fucking this guy coming up on the fucking podcast, I'll tell you that. Uh, the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, had a uh, 5-4 victory over the, I believe, San Jose Sharks uh, a week ago. Uh, and uh, upon returning from the game, we're promptly asked to leave oh, the right. hotel. Yeah. Because uh, we went bankrupt while you guys were away. Yeah, so get the fuck get out. Your, get your shit and go. Get the fuck that out. That's got to be one of the wilder, like, off-ice comedic stories that has come up in the last few years. Like, we've we've talked a lot of shitty off-ice things that have happened. Yeah. This is pretty fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> there's, some, there's something hilarious about Marc-Andre Fleury going back up to the buffet to get seconds on his crepes and like there's the tables are gone and there's just guys standing there being like yeah uh, give us the plate and get the fuck out right now and then they just kicked them out of the hotel somehow flurry found seconds and he's eating crepes in front yeah. of the hotel and everyone else standing there like looking at it being like what happened Riley's... and they're putting like a starbucks fucking sign on the front of it you know Riley Smith's in his room calling the front desk. It's just ringing and ringing and ringing. And Marshall so's in the shower and all of a sudden the water just turns off. What the hell is going on in this place? Starts swearing in French. Yeah, the uh, the Fairmont in San Jose filed for bankruptcy uh, on Friday and closed its doors. That's pretty much the whole story. But I, I will add that I, I did, did like the idea that the San Jose Sharks, the team that notoriously went after the hotels in Winnipeg, um, in turn... Were the ones that had to close their hotel doors. Yeah, something nice and nice and circular about that. Yeah, the sharks can get stuffed. I guess mm. I, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, it's a weird one. I don't know when I when I saw this when I saw this story, it was just so weird because the first half hour everyone was just kind of sitting there being like the the guy who reported it was even like, yeah, I don't have any other details. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but it's it's super weird, you know. Mm-hmm. Pretty good stuff. Um. Speaking of getting kicked out of plate, no, I can't do it. There's nothing there. Uh, Tom Darryl, Wilson in the news. Uh, <laughs> Daryl Sutter rides again. Um, oh yes, he's uh, back off the ranch. And he's uh, back in the in the saddle, if it, as it were, back in the saddle dome, and um, oh. behind the bench for the Calgary Flames. God, yeah, sorry about that one. Yeah, there's some, yeah, the Flames have a hard time quitting things. Eh, like they can't quit Daryl Sutter. They can't quit that shithole arena. They can't quit the same core that hasn't won in... Wow, I'm ruthless tonight. They can quit uh, a coach, though. I can yeah. tell you that. Oh, yeah, big time. No <laughs> problem. Can't quit their GM. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What did you think? It's... Uh, it When I heard it, the only thing that popped into my head immediately was that like Brad Trey Living had received a phone call. And his secretary was just like, ah, oh, the owner, whoever he is, like, he'd like to see you in his office at 2. And it was like 10 a.m. And Brad Trey Living, like, 
panics and he goes like, who can I get that's in Alberta down to the rink in the next like hour that I can pitch to the owner to save my job? Is there any coaches that might be hanging out in Alberta somewhere? Well, yeah, I'll coach, but I, I need to be able to go home and do farming still. Yeah. And he, he panics and he calls Daryl Sutter and Daryl Sutter agrees to coach the team and he goes down to the office of the owner at 2 o'clock and right before he gets the pink slip he just, but I brought back Daryl Sutter and then spot himself another two weeks or two years in Jim Benning's case. I'm not sure how time works out west, but... Brad Trilling. Yeah. Or, no, or Jim Benning's yeah. case. Yeah, yeah, I got you. So, I don't know. Like, I I don't think it's really going to work out that great from being on. It's a nice little nostalgia move and I, I would be pumped for Flames fans if it did work out. It's going well so far. Yeah, but... I gotta tell you, that's the best they've fucking looked in two and yeah. a half years is the last two games, so... Uh, I, I guess it might work out for me. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't hate it. I am definitely someone who would like to see non, like, you know, John Tortorella's and Daryl Sutter's and Elaine Vino's and the same fucking 20 guys get, you know, rehashed over and over again on these jobs and the other 10 teams are hiring new guys while the other 20 are doing the same thing. Um... You know, like, I would love that as much as the next guy. I do I do think, like, there were a lot of takes where... This goes back to Lindy Ruff, right? We talked about Lindy Ruff uh, last season when he got the job in New Jersey. And everyone was like, oh, it's the same fucking guys. It's the same guys. Daryl Sutter is arguably, uh, what, the, the second most successful coach of the 2010s? And the 2010s just ended. Like, like he coached the Kings until 2017. And pretty good until 2016. So, like, this isn't a completely archaic hire for me. This is a guy who uh, was decently successful when he had the Flames the first time. Was incredibly successful with the Kings uh, as recently as six years ago. And um, they needed someone, and there happens to be uh, only a handful of coaches that have coached in the NHL that live in Alberta all year around. So, like, why not? You know what I mean? It's better than what they had going on. And they might learn a couple things from Sutter, and then they got to find someone new next year. And I don't know. And I don't. I believe this was a multi-year agreement as well. Three three-year deal. Yeah, this, yeah. this wasn't just. Let's bring Daryl Sutter in to finish off the season and see how things look. He's not an in- intern by any means, right? Like, he- he's coming in. He's doing the job. Um, Which, the Flames have money. Like, they don't have a lot of it. But I uh, I think that that was maybe the only way they were getting him to leave his ranch. Was by giving him a decent amount of more, term yeah, like that. Yeah. And so, it's a three-year deal. But I wouldn't be shocked if it's a year and a bit deal. Right. That's all. Right. I I I am not as pessimistic about it as I think a lot of people are, but I have a um, appreciation for Daryl Sutter that I think there are only a handful of fans that have a bigger appreciation than me. So oh, yeah. I'll admit that I'm probably a little biased. On sure. It. Yeah. And I love. Him. I almost I want like... him to work more than I actually think he's going to work. Yeah. But I'm I'm I. He is one a rare, very rare situation. I can't separate my emotion from my. <laughs> For my actual analysis on him, you know, I just love him. I think he's a genius. But, um, yeah, like I, I don't know. Like I, I agree. Like I love Daryl Sutter as a coach. Like I'm, I'm, I was a big fan when he was in Calgary. Like I was, I was on the bandwagon of that '04 team the whole way. Um, I loved the Kings. I loved their runs. Like they, they were great hockey teams. To me, it's, it's less about Daryl Sutter and whether he can coach, and more about 
whether or not Daryl Sutter can coach this team. Because I don't think this is the makeup of a Daryl Sutter team. Because you look at those Kings yeah. teams, you look at those mid-2000 Flames teams, they they just had a, a different identity about about them. Uh, you could tell, like Daryl Sutter, Big. he was he was the GM of the Calgary Flames when they, you know, at, at that period. So he was bringing in guys that he knew that he wanted. And this team doesn't have it, as far as I'm concerned. Like, they're going to have to really rely on Jacob Markstrom to find Jonathan Quick-esque, Mika Kiprasov-esque goaltending uh, to prop up the rest of this roster because it's just not there. You know what's funny is, like, I... Uh, my first thought when he got hired was that, uh, you know who's really going to benefit from this? is it's, 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 it's not even your... It's not. It's definitely not good, Johnny Goudreau. Like I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see how that works out because I don't know that Johnny Goudreau and Daryl Sutter are going to be very compatible. But uh, like Kachuk will fit in. Um, this is good for Dylan Dubé. But the big name that came to mind for me was Josh Levo, and Josh sure. Levo went and scored two fucking goals in, <laughs> in Sutter's debut. And the first thing I thought about was that Josh Levo is a player that would have played on the bottom nine wing in L.A. Oh, yeah. He's a big body that cycles the puck well, that can shoot when he gets in position, but he doesn't, you know, he's not, he doesn't take a ton of risk. He would have fit perfectly on Sutter's teams back in the day, and and he's the type of guy that Sutter's going to find use for, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to play heavy minutes, I think, down the stretch, and, and but he's a depth guy, right? No one thinks anything of him coming into this hire, but he's a guy who, similar to like Dwight King in in LA, like Sutter's just gonna he's just gonna make him work. And if you got a good attitude and you're gonna work and you got a big body, uh, you're gonna you're gonna be able to play pretty well for Daryl Sutter, you know. I I agree, hundred percent. Like there there are there are guys for sure. Like honestly, like don't get me wrong, he's just as cooked today as I thought he was two weeks ago. You might get a couple more numbers out of Lucic here, you know. Was he on the... Yeah, I guess he would have been under Sutter in L.A. He, play, he played there for a year, yeah. 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 Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, there, there definitely are pieces there. I just... I don't know. I, I know what you're I saying. look up and down that roster. Uh, Daryl Sutter... I don't like the roster anymore, though, regardless. <laughs> right. Like, it, it doesn't really matter. Like, the, the coach could be John Cooper, for all I care. It's not... The roster ain't, ain't what it needs to be. It's just apparent at this point, you know? Mm. And... Um, I mean, like that, that's just the whole thing, right? Like I, I like, I like a lot of what tree living's done, but you take a look at the team now and it's just, you have to get to that point where you just look at these players and say, you know what? Maybe they're not as fucking good as I think they are. And tree living doesn't seem like he wants to do that or ownership doesn't want to do that or whoever doesn't want to do that. But you know, the big name for me here is, is let's see what happens with Sean Monahan. Mm-hmm. And he's looked good under Sutter for two games. But Monaghan's a guy where when I watch them, he he is six foot four of a whole lot of nothing. He he just he floats and floats and uh he doesn't use that size. He's super timid half the time. Monaghan to me is a guy where before this hire I kinda thought might be maybe the most overrated player in the National Hockey League. And I'm, I'm wondering if Daryl Sutter can kind of get through to him. And 
Uh, he looked fucking great tonight against Montreal, so maybe he's got him uh, awake here. But Sutter doesn't waste time, right? Like, if, if you don't straighten up and fly right from day one, you might not make it a month on that lineup. And there's not really a lot of exceptions with him. And uh, I think Calgary knows that. Otherwise, they wouldn't have hired him. Yeah. It, it is interesting, though. Like, I, th- I think I think you're bang on with that assessment. But COVID world, like, it, it's it's going to be so hard to to bench a guy that's making five, six million dollars and or if you don't want to bench him to ship him out of town and get something back and I mean Sutter's still fine with a happy medium. He can play Sean Monahan nine minutes a night if he wants to. I don't think it's gonna get to that point. Right. I, I think Monahan will find a way out of it. Because at one point he had a lot of potential. I just he seems to have very little drive when I watch their games. He makes good decisions but um it's almost a little heartless at times and it's just uh I've long thought that he is a large part of the problem there. and um, Or maybe what's getting overrated, maybe not the problem, but um, they need more out of him, that's that, that's for sure. Well, the Flames beat the right team tonight as they uh, bested the Montreal Canadiens 3-1 to and moved back to two points out of that fourth playoff spot in the uh, Scotiabank North uh, with uh, the Habs still holding that one game in hand, but uh, Calgary certainly making grounds. Uh, and I think it's safe to say that I would rather be in Daryl Sutter's shoes right now uh, than in Jeff Ward's shoes. Which brings me to uh, a bit of a, a bit of a game, not really a game, a bit of a, a questionnaire, if you will. And, and this is called, Who Would You Rather Be? Uh, I've got a couple okay. of uh, head-to-head matchups here, and I just want to give you... You don't have to go in-depth uh, as... as you, uh, I'll, I'll say this, look. You go into it in depth as much as you want or as little as you want. I don't need you to defend your answer. This here. segment will be 75% of the episode yep. tonight. Here we go. Are you ready? Do you have any questions? I guess I should. No, I, 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 it sounds pretty clear. Okay. Okay. Um, would you rather be right now today? Would you rather be Patrick Laine or Jack Eichel? <laughs> oh my god! Take your time. Oh wow. I mean, I wasn't going to go super in-depth with these, but that's an interesting one, right? Because, like, on on first thought, I was going to say Line, for sure. Uh-huh. But, but Eichel's locked up to a big contract, so, like, uh-huh. in some regard, it doesn't fucking matter really what happens to your NHL career. You're going to make $80 million. So that's cool. Um, I think, I think I'd rather be Jack Eichel. Okay. Uh, if that's, if that's, yeah. There's no wrong answer here, my guy. Yeah. The whole thing with Jack Eichel is like, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it, uh, at some point in the episode here, but like that whole thing with his injury is just like, like that's the other, that's the only reason why I wouldn't want to be him. It's we, not so much the Buffalo thing for me. We we can talk about it now if you want. We can easily slide that in here. And yeah. This, but. Well, I, yeah, I guess it makes sense. Like I don't, I don't, when I first saw that, my first instinct, just having seen it happen before in the NHL was that, yeah, this is the whole, uh, let's just sit him at home so he doesn't get hurt for real. So we can trade him in the off season for full value. And he doesn't have to subject himself to this disaster anymore. And then as the days went on or through this week, it became very apparent that Jack Eichel is actually hurt and is very hurt. 
and uh, there were some reports that it's uh, career threatening. So, yeah, that's that's not good at all. I don't want to see that. I would like to see Jack Eichel maybe become uh, what we were promised he would become. Yeah, and I, I would like to see him at his full potential. So, my my initial thought was that Buffalo was just. Uh, just jerking the system here a little bit, but uh, apparently he's very hurt. So, right. and uh, I, I do want to preface that I, I did have these two names down on my list prior to realizing it might be a yeah. more severe injury than I thought. Yeah. So this has got nothing to do with you know you know oh I'd rather be Patrick Liney because at least I'm my career's not over. Okay, whoa, you know that's not what I was well, trying to. Frame, at least but... with Liney, like Liney can go this off season and be like, yeah, I'm not I'm not signing here, and I'm going to sign an offer sheet. <laughs> I'm going to. Oh, daddy. And uh, you can match it if you want, but I won't report. And then, you know what I mean? You can just try to trade me at that contract value and see if you can get what you would have got by not matching. But in reality, like, why would Columbus match? You know, like, just just, uh, just let him walk unless it's a $4 million deal. Like, yeah. if you're getting a first, a second, and a third you're probably lucky to get that at this point. Mm-hmm. That that trade value has gone to hell over the last month. So, um I I think there's some there's some there's a nice factor of Line a being able to call his shot there, but I I don't know what I would give him if I'm an opposing general manager. Like if I'm someone uh say say I'm an aggressive GM and I want to sign someone to an offer sheet Liney's not a guy that I would sign to an offer sheet. I don't. I don't know what he is, and I don't really want to find out for the uh, for a contract that I'm going to have to be locked into for draft picks that I will never get back. Uh, Liney's not someone that I would approach at all as a general manager at this stage because I just I'm not blaming him, but I don't know what the hell he is. So it's always one step forward, two steps back with that fucking kid. So it, it will be very interesting to see what what happens with him in the in the summer for sure. Yeah. Um, but so sorry. What do you What do you think about Eichel then? About the injury? Yeah, it's tough. Like, like is that going to affect his trade value? You think it has to? Yeah, absolutely has to. This this guy. It doesn't sound good. Like, like did you see that video of him on the bench? And the trainer went and he's trying to touch his neck, and fucking Eichel freaked out because it was like a bunch of pain. Like he was just, that, he was just in pain. But... He wasn't like I don't think he was being an ass to the guy, but um. Yeah, like that. Someone kind of broke that down today, and they were just kind of like, "Yeah, it seems like it's something that's been lingering for a while, and they've been trying to work on it." And that would explain his numbers this year, right? Like, even though the team around him hasn't been good, the team around him was never good, and he was putting up better numbers than this. So, at least you can kind of look at his production and say, "Well, it's you know, you can, he's you playing, paint, paint he's a playing with sure. a fucking massive pain in his neck, yeah, literally." But no, I I think it a hundred percent affects his his value, like. I don't want to put a lot of blame on the guy himself, but like he's had enough injury problems now in his career, fluky or not, that I think you have to be cautious with this guy. And especially knowing what we know about the Buffalo Sabres and the position that they're in, why would a team come in and, and pay top dollar for Jack Eichel if, if they can get any sort of a discount on the guy? Because at the end of the day, you're still going to get a, 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 by all accounts, fantastic hockey player. Yeah. So, yeah, if I could save a few bucks, I love a good deal. Like, let's, why not? Give it a go. I think the asset for asset is still going to be a lot. Like, I think Eichel still is um, going to get, a, a like, a huge return. And I love how we're talking about this where it's a foregone conclusion that he's yeah. getting traded for See sure. Ya. Um, but 
I'm incredibly shocked if the Sabres are trading him without retaining at least like a million and a half on that contract. Like, I think they're in that spot now. Yeah, eh? I think they're in that spot where they're going to have to take some of that. They don't have a lot of cap room themselves, though. It's hard to sit... Yeah, well, that's another problem. It's hard to sit here and say that if you're unsure about his health, that you're going to trade for him and give up a top prospect and have him count at $10 million against your books. If he's if he's coming in at $8 million and he's putting up you know second-line numbers and he isn't what you thought he would be, sure, you'll never get that asset back, but that extra digit is really hard to make sense at the end of the day. If you you know what I mean, like Nashville's paying Johansson eight million, and Nashville's paying Duchesne eight million. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are teams out there in crisis, or at least one, uh, where they <laughs> where they have guys at eight million that aren't uh, pulling their weight. Like eight, seven, eight, you can kind of make sense. Ten's going to be tough. You know, yeah, yeah like ten's a big number. Uh, you know, Buffalo paying Skinner at nine million. You know, there are some bad contracts out there. It's just the injury thing for me. I, I, I think it's going to be hard for them to get out of this without taking on some of his check. And yeah. I think that's going to be a problem. It, it'll be hard. To, it'll be hard to swing regardless, I think. So yeah, uh, depends what you're getting back. And, anyway, uh, to answer your question, who would I rather be? I'd rather be Patrick Liney. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I kind of didn't see that coming, but yeah. fair enough. After we talked it out, yeah. Um, who would you rather be, Brutes? John Gibson? Or no. Frederick Anderson? Uh, John Gibson. John Gibson? John okay. Gibson. No no playoffs I, in sight. Well, John Gibson's younger. Uh, John Gibson is, is I think, healthier. Uh, John Gibson has a contract, albeit not a huge one. Um, still has some trade value. Anderson is, I think, going to have... I think it's going to be a little bit more of a difficult conversation... Um, for him and free agent negotiations than he thinks it's going to be this summer. Uh, now, I understand the, the point of the question is that Frederick Anderson has a decent shot at winning a Stanley Cup this season. But, um, you know. Like, Kyle Dubas has been so unpredictable during his time as GM. I still don't even think that it's... Does Anderson have no trade? I don't think so, but I got it right here in front of me so I can answer that question. Like, I wouldn't fucking... Put it past them to trade him in season. Still, they're not going to. But he's got a modified no trade. So modified ten, ten no teams. Wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him. I don't think they're going to. I'm just saying. You know, it gets dicey at that point, right? Because you never. It's so hard to trade a goalie mid season when you're a playoff team. The only thing for me, honestly, with Anderson, the the only thing is uh, I don't I don't want to see how that would affect the locker room during this season. Very fair. I don't. I, that's a very rare situation where it's like. They're not going to be happy when Freddie isn't brought back, right? And that's that you'd rather that be over the course of an off season where they have time to kind of dip their feet into the pool, rather than, you know what I mean, do it in the middle of the season when everyone's focused, dialed in, and now you go and trade Austin Matthews' best friend. Like, eh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's not a great idea, even though he hasn't been fantastic this year. I'd rather be Gibson. You got term. I think. Uh, I think. I. I. I feel like I'm the only one saying it. I actually think Anaheim's going to be pretty good in a couple of years, but not amazing. But but they're going to be in a playoff contending team in a couple of years. So, um, yeah, I, I'd rather be Gibson. Okay. 
Uh, would you rather be Rudy Gobert a year ago or Rudy Gobert today? Um, so a year ago, is that before he touches the uh, microphone? I think it's like a year to the day. Maybe no, no, but like a day or two, he's oh, touching no, the microphone. Oh, a year today, like you're asking me, or a year ago today, because it, it would have already happened. Okay, so a year ago, touching the microphones, or... So after I had touched it, right? I can't go back in time and be like, oh, I'm not going to touch the microphones. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You still do the deed. Oh, no. But you have to live with the consequences well, of being that guy. Or do you want to be Rudy Gobert today, who apparently just might not be good at basketball anymore? I'd rather be Rudy Gobert today uh, because I don't have COVID anymore. So <laughs> That's a very interesting answer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd rather be him today. All right. Would you rather be the guy that has to pitch the shape of water to save his job or the guy that has to produce the shape of water to save his job? Like the movie? Yeah. Oh God, I don't. I don't like the shape of water. I know that. <laughs> I know. Just in case there's someone listening to this episode that hasn't listened to the other 130 we've done, um, I would rather. See now, you have a real opportunity here. You can sacrifice yourself. I'd rather pitch the shape of water. Okay. I I think. I I, I think the actual idea of the shape of water, the actual pitching. The actual meeting, when they discussed the idea of this before it had been incepted into a script even, I think that's, um, I think that would be pretty, pretty funny and pretty rad having to be on that set for a year watching the, watching her fuck a fish. Uh, I don't know if I, if I could do that every day for a year. I don't know. <laughs> it's like that whole, the 40 I mean, year old version. You did the COVID thing. The 40 year old version. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, what would be, what would be a worse way to spend a year? Yeah, actually, no, I'd rather know COVID and, and be on the set of Shape of Water. But it's like the, the 40 year old version joke, right? You know, you go in and you, you think it's going to be cool, you know, and you're like, yeah, it's a woman fucking a horse. You get there and it's, oh, it's, it's a woman fucking a horse. I mean, he was really giving it to her, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It's uh, wasn't good for the horse. Yeah, like yeah. so, I would rather pitch it because then I think it's it's quick and it's over. Maybe you can frame it in a different way that they can understand. Kind of felt bad for the horse. Yeah. Would you rather be Kirill Kaprizov or Tim Stutzel? Kaprizov in Minnesota. Eh? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. It's news city. We got an owner who cares about the team. So yeah, no, that's the <laughs> that's definitely the big pro over Stutzel. I, um, man, I uh. I watched my first full front-to-back Minnesota Wild game the other That's a night. Lie. They're they're awesome. They're cool. They're really fun. These aren't real words the, you're when, using to describe the Wild. When we do our uh, our second edition of the "I was I'll admit I was wrong" segment, they're probably going to come up. Mm. They they were that was the most fun I've ever had watching a Minnesota Wild game, and I think they lost. I don't even think they won that game. It was the Coglin game I was watching. Can't remember if they won that. Night. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. They, With, that was they, crazy. they won. That was crazy. That was nuts. Dylan see the Coggin. guy that bet like five bucks on Coggin getting his first career hat and won a thousand dollars. Wow, man! See, I love those outlandish bets. Like yeah. I probably lose like over a hundred dollars in a year on putting money on shit that won't happen. But on the off chance it does happen, I'm gonna feel like a boss. Man. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, and I'm sure uh, it'll come up at some point in the next couple weeks. March Madness. Oh, hey. Starts next week. Yes, it does. Uh, Selection Sunday is t- today, I guess. Um, 
I'm gonna be spending a lot of money betting on March Madness. Ooh, for sure. Wow, yeah. I always so I gotta spend last year's money. Every time I'm watching a game, I will put like three dollars on a team that's trailing at halftime by like twenty five points because it's like fuck it, they're gonna come back. And I think I won one of those. I won like seventy five bucks on a bet one time, but other than that, I've lost every single time. Well, hopefully, you got good fortunes this year. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, would you rather be the PR manager for the Eagles? Or the drummer for Spinal Tap. Oh, God. You know what? The drummer for Spinal Tap. Put me out of my misery. Fuck it. Okay. Someone's got to hold a beat back there, right? Yeah. Big Fuck. bottoms. Fuck it. Would you rather be Jared, Eric, or uh, Mark Stahl? Jared, Eric, or Mark... Why can't I be Jordan? Because Jordan's... Uh, on a good hockey team playing well <laughs> he's having a good time he's fine why would I want Eric's to be... in Buffalo why would Mark's I want to in be Detroit Jared? Jared knows what he is but he's not an NHL player anymore hmm see the interesting thing about Mark Stahl is if it weren't for his five and a half million dollar cap hit Mark Stahl would be a perfect deadline acquisition for any team that needs a defenseman because all of a sudden Mark Stahl is apparently good at hockey again which is the weirdest. They put him on the worst team in the league and decided that they were going to play him and his one eye of vision. 25 minutes a night with Troy Stetcher. And they are, they are, I shit you not, like a top three pairing in the league analytically. Like they're, they're right beside like Makar. Like they're right up there with fucking Makar in certain metrics. It's fucked. Maxwell has an even 100 PDO. That's, Hard to and that's the thing too. Like, it's it, like it's off. not even like they're a PDO mess. Like, their PDO's fine. Um, I think I'd rather. Oh, I gotta be. Oh fuck, that's not an easy one. I think I'd rather be Eric. I think it's easier to trade Eric just because of the contract. I yeah, think. But it's, what if you don't get traded? I think. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather play for Detroit. I guess. <laughs> Like, Detroit, like, you're banking on that trade at that Detroit point. sucks, but at least Detroit's having a good time. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You, I watched a few of their games. Like, they're, they're, they're fine. Like, they know they suck, but, like, they're they're working through it. It's okay. You got Dylan Larkin. Like, things are fine. Buffalo, you don't even have Jack Eichel anymore. So, uh, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. You're right. I'd rather I'd rather be Mark Stahl uh, and hope that Detroit will eat half my salary so I can go play for the Jets for a few months or something. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Uh, would you rather be Liam and Noel Gallagher's mother? No, fuck. Or Eminem's mother. She's still alive. I believe so. Um, it's hard to explain yourself either way. Eh? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, I think I'd rather be Liam and Noel Gallagher's mother because it's more so just implied that she's done things, uh, that she's failed at certain things. You know, with Eminem, there's a little more of like a paper trail there at least with the Gallagher's mom it's kind of like yeah well you, you you did a number on your kids eh one of them's not so crazy I can't remember which one it is I still love them both the same but. I think Liam's a little not so crazy but Liam is the one yeah I think I think you're right Liam's yeah. the one who put out an album a couple years ago I think so well they both I guess have put yeah. out albums yeah no I'd rather be the Gallagher's mom okay would you rather be um, a guy who gets to see every home game for your favorite team with free access to food, booze, and merchandise, 
only because you're trapped and can never leave the arena ever. Or yep. Yep. the guy yep. who travels. No, that's, that's the one. Oh, okay. <laughs> or the guy who travels constantly and can attend only one game a year, but they always lose. But I can still have a life outside. Yeah, you travel for a living. Like, it's pretty luxurious, but your hockey intake is just pure misery. I can only go to one game a year. Yeah. And they definitely and they always lose. lose. Hmm. Or you're trapped in an arena for life. You know what's amazing is I've, I like, I consider myself both a Leafs and a Jets fan. And I've seen three times the amount of Jets games as I've seen Leaf games. And I've seen the Jets lose never. And the Leafs lose two out of the three games I've seen. I've, I've seen the Leafs play the Jets. I, so I, They only won one game that I saw. Um, no, I'd rather be the fan at the arena. Fuck it. Okay. Full, fully embrace it. Like, either way, I'm trapped being a fan of this team. So mm-hmm. I'd rather I'd rather just live at the rink. You gotta be honest. I gotta be honest with you, man. If, if I was able to just live at Scotiabank Arena, and I'm not allowed to leave... But, like, I get to eat, and I just live there, and my life's life's good. Yeah, but think about the food. But I have to eat their food? I can yeah. never have outside oh, you food? you never leave the... You know, I can't yeah. get skip the dishes to the rink, though? No, man. Well, what are you, you going to pay for it? You don't have a job. Well, what, I'll get Austin Matthews to bring me food. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you guys got money? He doesn't like you. <laughs> sure he does. I'm at the rink every day. I'm cheering him on. I'm the only fucking guy who's in there cheering him on other than Kyle Dubas. You're the weirdo he has to kick out of the showers every morning when he gets oh, to Oh, no, practice. I wouldn't be that thing. Come on, I'd be cool. <laughs> what else are you going to shower? <laughs> what else am I going to do, too? I'd just be like, well, the players are coming. I guess I'll go talk to Joe Thornton yeah, today. I wonder, wonder what the outside world's like. <laughs> I'm going to go down there and talk to Spezza because he's the only one who pretends I'm cool. Hey, Mitch, do they still watch movies in the outside world? <laughs> Oh man, keeps just getting the bench minor penalty tonight. I'm just screaming from the third deck, like oh, fucking shit. yelling. Why are you sitting up there? Um, why, why is that? Guy, no, yeah, I'd why, rather be the fan. Why is that fan running on the ace to fight the ref? Uh, he can't technically get tossed out of the arena. Yeah. So. Yeah. he's been here for 14 years. He's kind of lost his mind a little bit. But <laughs> okay, you, you, so you're taking the arena sentence? Yeah, for sure. I've, I've been to Scotiabank Arena too. It's a bit of a maze. Like there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there. I feel like I could. I could occupy my time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and last one. It's a bit of a doozy. And I hate to beat up on one specific fan base uh, too much. But oh, would boy. you rather be a fan of the Vancouver Canucks or a fan of the Buffalo Sabres? The Canucks. I don't even have to think about it. Mm. Don't even have to think about mm. it. Okay. Hasn't been great. I don't even have to think about it. Okay. At least since Aquilini's owned the team, they went to a co- like they went to a Stanley Cup final. You know, like it's it's literally just since Mike Gillis left, Aquilini's just likes Jim Benning too much, which I don't know why because he's not he's not even charismatic. Um, yeah, I'd rather be a fan of the Canucks for sure. Wow, I I think okay. I think their owner, I think their owner knows how to sort of, and is capable of putting a winning team out there. They just they just have gotten a little they've just gotten caught in a rut here a little bit. I like a lot of what they've been doing. But, you know, the give Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel dueling contracts for four years and the Louis Erickson and shit. Like, it's it's not so much like the it, modern, though, either. Like, it's, I'm talking it's about like, the franchises as a whole. Oh, as a whole? It's 50 it's years. Still Vancouver. They've been both in the league the same amount of time. It's just been 50 years of misery for both clubs. 
I think there's pros and cons to to each side of things. Well, I mean, it's it's like I didn't live. More focused I didn't live through the '70s and yeah. the '80s, and I didn't watch hockey in the '90s. So, like, all I have to go off of is the last 20 years. Hmm. Still, still the Canucks. Okay. I think at least with Vancouver too, when they have star players, star players seem to want to stay there. Like, they, they had 15 years of the same fucking core. Granted, that was a little too long. With, like, Kessler. Oh, he wasn't there 15 years. But, like, the Sedins, Kessler, Bieksa, Burroughs. You know, those guys all wanted to be there. Luongo. Like, they all wanted to be there. Asland. With Buffalo, it's just a constant revolving door where every five years they have a new center of attention. Not even a star. Just new center of attention. And they're gone within mm-hmm. five years. Every time. And Eichel, you're going to add Eichel to that list in a couple months, so... It's so weird how that happens to that one team and that one team seemingly only. Like, I mean, like, if I'm a player too, though, like, even organizational, everything that we know about these teams aside, where would you rather live, Buffalo or Vancouver? Fucking Vancouver! What, are you kidding me? Buffalo's a shithole. Sure. I want to live there. So even just right then and there, they have the ability to at least attract these free agents. Like, yeah, I don't want to give Tyler Myers 6 by 6 either, but at least someone wanted to play here. Like, there's something to be said about that. Mm-hmm. Buffalo, who the fuck... Why the fuck did Kyle Oposo want to go there? Did I, did he sign there on purpose? For seven years. Jesus. He's in year... He's in year, uh, what? Five of a 43-year 43, 43 deal right oh, now. Oh, that's weird. Nobody else offered me any money at all. I guess I'll take the only contract... Who was it? Buffalo? Uh, I guess so. All right, well, that's the end of the uh, Who Would You Rather Be segment of today's podcast. Uh, I thought that was fun. I enjoyed that. I would actually like to do that more often. That that can be a reoccurring segment as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll definitely bring that back again. Although the whole thing I got kicked off there with uh, with Eichel on line A, and I just kind of spiraled from there on. So. No, I liked it. A little bit of hockey, a little bit of non-hockey. We'll uh, we'll bring that back down the road another time. Um, moving on to current events and things that are actually happening and not taking place in our imaginations. Uh, Jordan Bennington signs a new deal with the St. Louis Blues for uh, six years at $6 million per uh, with a uh, wow. no full no trade for the first three years and then a modified no trade for the last We didn't record years. for like a week. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. It felt like that was a year ago. Um, so the Stanley Cup champion goaltender that saved the St. Louis Blues season uh, gets his payday. Um, your uh, your takeaway from the contract, like, I, fuck. When, I want to know when, yours first. Okay, when, when when they said that Jordan Bennington signed a new contract, I had to like stop and think, like, oh yeah, I guess he was kind of playing the last year of his of his deal, wasn't he? Um, a, a deal that had a cap hit of six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. No, he had a bridge deal. Did he have? A He's making four four point four right now. Oh, okay. There so it's not yeah, it's no, not right. um, a huge raise as to what he was already making. I guess against that cap, it doesn't. It's not a huge raise. Yeah. Sorry, I totally totally missed that. No, I was doing the math in my head. I still think it's 2019, as I mentioned uh, the last episode. COVID didn't really happen. It's really just March of 2020 again. But um, yeah, so so Bennington gets a new contract. Um, I. Look, it's it's tough to really say if this is good or bad for the Blues. I I think this is about as perfect as you can get with with this player with this contract. It's probably 
two years too long. But hmm. if you want to say that, hey, thanks for giving us our first franchise cup. Here's an extra couple of years. Or if, or if he, hmm. on the flip side, is saying, gee, I just won you your first franchise Stanley Cup. I sure would like a couple extra years. I can I can kind of let it slide. I think $6 million is a fine number for him. Like, he... He's only 27, which is kind of fucked to say, but he, like this is only going to take him to his 33-year-old season. Eh, I don't know. I, I thought it was fine. Pretty much what I expected. Maybe a year or two long. Okay. <laughs> I think this has potential, before it even starts, uh, to be uh, one of the worst contracts in the NHL. Come on. Um, I... Uh, yeah, I don't... Uh, look, like... Here, here, here's the bottom line is like, I completely understand why the deal happened. So I'm not going to go out and attack the blues right off the bat here. Okay. Because like the problem was, is I, is I think the blues were hoping that Billy Huso was going to be a good pairing for Bennington. I think they were hoping to kind of get Bennington at a similar number at a lower term than what they got him at. And hoping to kind of hit, do him and Huso for for some years down the road and kind of and operate more so like these teams that we see that are successful with two goalies rather than one. And then he's young, but Billy Huso has been one of the worst goalies in the league this year. And uh, hopefully he finds his stride because he is the only other goalie they have. The problem is now the Blues are at that point where it's like this: this is your goalie, like this is your guy, and that's that's all you've got. The Blues are very much in win now mode. Like we all know that. You take a look at their cap friendly, and it should be super fucking apparent that it's not like they have a ton of deals that are that are long and and bad, but almost every deal they have has a potential to be like an overpayment. Um, you know in the next few years. Like, you know, I don't like the Falk deal. I don't know that Krug's going to age super well. Scandella was a horrible signing. So they got like a bunch of deadweight salary on the blue line. I don't know how Shen's really going to work out at that number. Having said all that, um, they have a decent mix of young players where it is conceivable to say that in five years they're still good. They they could be a team where they don't have to go through that retool. I I don't think so, but it's possible. So I think that that's kind of how they see it with Bennington, where they, they think he's going to be the guy. And at least if they kind of have to retool and say they move on from O'Reilly in a couple years or something, like not that that's even a thought right now, but just you never know what happens, right? Um, at least you have what they observe to be steady goaltending. Um, but... What I observe is that a guy who um, his number—he was never going to have a better year than his first year, right? It was it, no matter what, everything that was going to follow up was going to be worse. We all knew that. Last year was was fine, like it, it was definitely solid. He was uh, what was he? A fucking nine nine twelve nine twelve. Uh, he is below league average save percentage this year, albeit just slightly, um, but. This is a guy that I have never really thought is particularly uh, technically sound and uh, seems to let in a, a lot of, like, stinkers um, that I think they now have signed for six more years beyond this year when I think if they 
had someone other than Billy Huso that the team is good enough in front of him that I don't even know that Bennington would be the starter. So I think that they're at the point where he's what they've got and they're willing to die on that hill. And that's fine. I can respect the hell out of that in a way. Um, you know, and to your point too about like, yeah, you want us a cup. Like, I'm sure some people listening to the show knew immediately in my mind was that I don't think that way at all. But if you want to, you know what I mean, give that guy that contract, that's perfectly fine if that's how you want to run the team and it's not like it doesn't work out ever. But I just think that that is a, a completely, like, you have to be kind of cutthroat. And I know the, that hockey doesn't necessarily operate, operate that way where the other three sports, major team sports kind of do. But I don't know that, I just, I don't know that that's the right way to approach it. I, I don't like the deal. I think it's, uh, uh, I think it's, I mean. Well, what is it though? Is it, is it I'm too still, rich or I'm is still, it too long? It's both. How, I w- how can you say it's too rich when he's making less than, like, Matt Murray in Ottawa? Well, the, yeah, but they shouldn't have signed him to that either. Like, the whole thing is but that... But I'm just saying, like, you, you set a precedent in the, in the NHL of, of what a goaltender should make. Mm-hmm. And, and he's on the lower end of the spectrum. And he's a recent Stanley Cup champion. Uh, lower end of the spectrum? He's, yeah. he's He'd have the eighth highest cap hit next year for goaltenders. You got okay. Price at 10.5, Bobrovsky yeah. at 10... Vasilevsky at 9.5, Tuka Rask at 7, Flurry at 7, Gibson at 6.4, Murray at 6.2, Hellebuck at 6.1, and then ninth highest, I guess. It's tied okay. with Markstrom. Okay. Well, that's a lot higher than I thought, but... It's it's incredibly high. Like, I, I'm I'm at the point where... I'm at the point where if your goalie isn't uh, Hellebuck or Vasilevsky, that uh, pretty much everyone is the same. That, <laughs> that's... It's kind of where I'm at. So I, I don't really believe in, in paying for goaltending unless it's someone that you think is going to be super solid every night. And I, I don't think that's the case with, with... Well, not every night, but you know what I mean. Like, more consistent anyway. Uh, Bennington's been fine. It's just I'm, I've am i been a skeptic since day one and I still think the bottom falls out is all. Hmm. Right? Like, that. that's the whole thing. What do you think of Bennington? A lot of people think he's top five goaltender in the league. That's fine if you do, right? Like, that. that's that's okay. Goaltending is not an easy one to evaluate, right? Like, like, just because this is how I believe, and I believe it in my heart of hearts, and you believe that he's a he's a really good goaltender in your heart of hearts, nobody knows. Like, even the teams, the guys, the goalie coaches, right. no one has any clue. The goaltending race is Hellebuck and Vasilevsky and probably Rask, and then no one else is even in that fucking conversation remotely. There are three good goaltenders in the league, and the rest are fine, most nights, and it just depends what night, what team, everything like that. There's so many fucking factors now because everyone's shot is so fast. Every team is so fast. It's so hard to defend. It, it, like, on and on and on. And then you see guys like Chris Dreger fucking put up a 920 in the starts that they get this year. Like, who the fuck knows? Like, would you give Chris Dreger fucking $6 million a year? No. I wouldn't. <laughs> you know? Would I give Bobrovsky 10? No, I wouldn't have done that either. Like, I like I, I think paying for goaltending is super fucking naive unless you feel like it's someone that you have faith in. And the Blues think they have faith in... The Blues have faith in Bennington. So, does the deal make sense for them? Sure it does. For the fans, yeah. For you, yeah, it does. For me, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But it, it's hard to say. Like, I, I'm the one sitting here saying I think the bottom's going to fall out. 
it's but, it's so weird to analyze because you're right. Like the more I think about it, there are only four, maybe five goaltenders that you would say are slam dunk. Like those guys deserve big money contracts, and usually when those goaltenders appear, they're at a point in their careers where maybe they're already signed long term or they're you know at, at a point where they don't need a new contract, so they're not getting that big contract. And then when it comes time to pay the piper. Well, maybe you're not really what you used to be. Like, like Jordan Binnington two years ago. Like, let's let's not shit ourselves here. He's a six million dollar goaltender. He's he's a top ten paid goaltender in the league. The way he played that year, right? Yeah. So he deserves to some degree, right? He, he deserves that payday then, and he doesn't get it because of the way that you know the 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 apple falls off the tree, and and now he has an opportunity to cash in and. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I just, I feel like always that year, the whole thing was like was like the analytics community, which again, you know, a lot of it's horse shit still too, but a lot of it was just that he's not facing nearly as many high danger chances as other comparable goaltenders. And that he's a, he's a, a goaltender who is finally making a save in a system where, where it supports goaltenders, right? Because as much credit as I know you like to give Jake Allen and a lot of people like to give Jake Allen. For a while, Jake Allen was, there's no debate, the worst goalie in the league for about 18 months there. Horrible. But was really good, like, most of the rest of the time, right? So it was kind of like, yeah, he's going to come out of it. And and then he did, and and now he's in Montreal, and he's been really good there. But the whole thing was just they're finally getting a save in a system where they shouldn't have to make as many crazy saves. And then Bennington made it work. Like, I just think he's a system goaltender. And he's still in the same system. So it might actually work out. But I don't think the Blues are nearly as good as they were. And I think you're seeing that in Biddington's numbers. And I don't think the Blues are going to get better. Yeah. So that's where... It's just a bunch of things where... You know, like, who do I think is a really good... I think Elvis Merzlikens is a really good fucking goaltender. He's not even number one on his team. And he's not even on a fucking... Like, he's on the worst team in the league. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, like, with puck possession and everything like that. I don't know. It's, uh, it's a tough one. I, I don't like the Bennington deal I think it's too long I think it's too rich um but I mean you know you, you make the you're going back to your point about the market right oh, that's like, Murray, then, Murray right? gets the deal yeah and Murray's deal looks horrible he 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 is probably the worst goalie in the league this year that plays more than you know as a starter yeah exactly yeah. as a starter he's the worst starting goaltender in the league this year um you know, the the thing with Bennington is who would I rather at that number like say you, you got to pick one goalie Bennington or Frederick Anderson? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd give Bennington that contract <laughs> over Frederick Anderson. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, like, there are worse guys if that's the money you're committing to your goaltender. Like, yeah, he's worked for you. It's better than going to the free agent market and giving that money there. I'd rather them do that. Right. So I'll give them that, that you know. Because that's kind of where I was going with it. Was But like... I, I don't. I don't consider Bennington a top goalie. I, I don't think teams determine like what the goalies are worth. I think the goaltenders determine what the goaltenders are worth because you. What, what are you going to do if you're St. Louis? Like, yeah, like you said, you, you let the guy walk, and then your options are what? Like, oh, well, Freddie Anderson's a free agent. We could sign him. Oh, that probably won't work. Do we go internally like we did with Bennington? Yeah, I don't think that's going to work out again. Yeah, with who? You know, like, <laughs> oh, Martin Jones is up. Well. He's probably the one guy that I, you know, would would maybe not want to have. Well, we maybe shouldn't have traded Jake Allen. Yeah, but you kind of had to. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, like the Blues do have Joel Hofer, 
right? But you you never know when a guy's in your system how they're going to turn out. Mm-hmm. And especially Joel Hofer was great at the World Juniors, and they're pretty high on him, even though they gave Bennington his contract. But, like, Joel Hofer's 20. And you look at, you know, you look at Bennington. You look at Dreger. You look at... Uh, Jack Campbell. Campbell. You look at a lot of, like, Jacob Markstrom's a perfect example, yeah. where it's like, yeah, you were really high on them when they were a teenager, and it took them fucking eight to ten years to get there. Even Vasilevsky took a while to really get his shot and really turn into what he is now, right? Because, like, I'm on record on this podcast two years ago. I didn't think Vasilevsky was one of the best goalies in the league. Now? Yeah, other than Hellebuck, I don't think anyone's actually better. But, you know, it takes time to develop that. And then how long does it last? Like, goaltending's just so hot and cold where it's like, a year from now... Vasilevsky might be a sieve. Like, Hellebuck, who the fuck knows? Like, it, you never know with any of this shit. I, I just think $6 million is a high number to commit to a goalie that I personally am very skeptical about and always have been. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, the NHL has signed a brand new TV contract with ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. Part of the Disney universe. Um... It carries a, a seven-year agreement in which uh, ESPN will showcase four of the seven Stanley Cup finals over the next seven years. This is actually so mint that we didn't talk about this at the top. <laughs> <laughs> they will get at least one of the uh, conference finals. Uh, and 25 games a season, which to me seemed pretty low. Um, but they also get uh, exclusive access to the streaming service. Y- yes. Which is the big one, I think, here. For a lot of people, because yes. the, uh, the NHL streaming service was pretty, uh, pretty garbo, pretty, pretty dog shit. Oh, I don't pretty like not it too good at all. I've paid for it for years, and I, I, uh, I think I stopped walking in the street and started clapping my hands when I saw this notification because at least ESPN has money to invest in a good fucking media player where I can at least stream the games and watch the games that I pay. Uh, whatever the fuck uh, the NHL to $45 a month or some shit. I don't know what I pay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of money uh, to watch games that don't load and have many, 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 many glitches. It's it's very annoying. Now, the only problem that I will say for you, my friend, is that ESPN Plus uh, not available in Canada. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not entirely sure of what's going to happen with the Canadian side of things. As far as I understand is that it's like they might even still just be NHL TV and it still might work the same. It's just they're going to be the operators. Now. Okay. Which, well, that would be fine. Yeah, just give me so, give me a company that has money controlling this rather than, uh, no offense to Rogers, but Rogers, uh, who, who powers this, it sucks. It's terrible. Get an ESPN behind it. They, they know how to do it. They've, mm-hmm. they've, been in, they've had their toes in this kind of stuff for a while. Everything from what I know works, so I'd rather them doing it. Uh, the deal also includes international rights to Latin America, the Caribbean, and parts of Europe, mm. uh, which is, uh, I mean, like, that's... The, the amount of money that this league is going to be losing because of the pandemic, like you got to get your 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 hands in every corner of the world um, to try to you know get back on your feet. So uh, wherever you can make money, please do so, NHL. But mm-hmm. um, I'm having, I living. I, I can't find the, the 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 number here in terms of what ESPN paid for the rights. I don't it was in the, know that it's been disclosed actually because. Uh... Uh, at least from what I remember hearing, uh, it might have been disclosed, but I feel like it was a uh, astronomical number for 
NHL comparables kind of thing. Uh, and that's the other thing too is is that I, we should touch on the fact billions that and billions and billions. Th- this is only like a a half deal. The NHL is still going to be selling the other half of its TV rights to another service provider. This is it's a godsend. This is an absolute godsend. I don't know how Gary Bettman pulled four hundred twenty million dollars for the ESPN deal. This is a godsend per year. Yes, because like. The biggest problem I've heard from people who live in America and are a hockey fan is that if you're out, not that anyone is right now, but if you're out at a bar and, uh, well, everyone in the States is, and uh, a highlight package comes on that you'll see Division Two basketball before you'll ever see a single hockey highlight on there. And it's not for the lack of exposure. It's literally just because ESPN, it's the only major sport that you would ever see on there that ESPN has nothing to do with, quite frankly, right? Like, essentially nothing to do with up until now, since 2004. And that's a problem. You need to have that on there. Like, ESPN is there what TSN is here, right? Or Sportsnet. It's everywhere. Those are your highlight packages. That's everything. The idea that now, if you're sitting out at a bar, you're going to see a couple goals from Austin Matthews. You're going to see uh, Spechnikov doing the fucking Michigan. And all these things that are going to help bring people in that have never even really seen the sport. And just be like, wow, that's super cool. Like, Do you know how many sports that I've seen just one or two highlights of? Or just tuned on to in the middle of the day. And I'm like, wow, this seems cool. And then I wanted to learn more about it. There are tons of people out there like that that are sports fans that are going to take to this opportunity now to have hockey on the highlight packages, see a couple cool things, investigate a little more, and then as soon as you know, you got a new fan. You know, like this is going to help grow the sport, I think, because ESPN controls uh, sports viewership in Latin America, in, uh, you know, South America kind of thing, and in uh, the United States. So... It's huge. It's a lot of help. It's a, it's a, like I said, it's a godsend for the NHL. Uh, if if you don't have the Raymond Bork call uh, by Gary Thorne teed up for the intro of this week's podcast, and we're pretty disappointed. Uh, Gary Thorne, when asked about the NHL returning to ESPN, who uh, may I add was recently released by the Baltimore Orioles this uh, past off season after 14 years covering uh, the baseball team there, uh, said that he would be. Uh, Pretty interesting. I'd love to talk to them about returning to ESPN to call games. So get me some Gary Thorne on the line, um, and uh, let's 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 get hockey going at, at a vast level at, at, a, at a network that gives a shit about sports in the United States. Because like, I know there's people that didn't like him. I know there's people that thought he was the best that overrated him. The only thing that NBC had going for them was Doc Emmerich, mm-hmm. and he's gone. So, mm-hmm. like, the timing of, of this couldn't be better. And the amazing thing about it, to your point, is who's the better commentator, Doc Emmerich or Gary Thorne? Well, it's Gary Thorne. Like, well, for me it is. I, I think I so. think I don't think it's a, a clear-cut one over the other. Re- regardless, if ESPN is able to bring in a Gary Thorne who has the experience who, sure. granted, is a lot older now, but uh, has the history in hockey. Yep. Anyone who watched hockey in the 90s and early 2000s that maybe isn't as close with the sport as they were, this is a this is huge because 
even if you if you also are able to bring in a Gary Thorne, someone that you everyone knows who he is in the states. If you watch sports in the states, you know who he is. He's the only guy other than Mike Tirico that I can think of that's called every major fucking sport over the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. Gary Thorne used to call bowling. He was the guy. The P. Weber fucking thing. The uh, you know, who do you think you are? I am Gary Thorne was calling that fucking bowling match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Gary Thorne's a huge get. Uh, again, I admitted it earlier in the episode about one thing. I may as well admit it again. Super biased. Gary Thorne's probably my favorite hockey announcer other than Bob Cole of all time. So I'm super into that idea. I'll bring him back. Even if he sucks now, I'll I'll entertain the idea of listening to Gary Thorne once a week. Yeah. But kind of what I was saying was, like, if, if you were going to sit down a hockey fan and say, well, you can either listen to this game called by Doc Emmerich or you can listen to this game called by Gary Thorne, I'm sure it would be close to a 50-50 split. There's just people that prefer Doc or some people that prefer Gary. But if I said to you, Okay, now you have to listen to Doc, but he's on NBC, or you have to listen to Gary, who's on ESPN. I think all of a sudden the network plays sure. a, a big part of this because NBC didn't give a shit about hockey. What did what did NBC do in their fourteen year deal with the NHL to put push the game forward, to to market the game in a way that mm. NBC and all the, the all the power that that name holds could do? Not a goddamn thing. They didn't do squat. They showed up for their outdoor game on January 1st and got through that, you know, wiped their hands, cool, collected their check, moved on. But whenever t- like, whenever it got dirty, whenever it got gritty, yeah, sorry, we're putting you on the fish network. Oh, we're going to put you on the outdoor light. Oh, sorry, uh, SNL's tonight. We're, we're just going to not show the game. You don't have another outlet? You guys don't have, like, a... Like, maybe something else? Mm-hmm. Like, don't cancel SNL, but, like, there's nothing else you might... Like, no, no, you don't have, like, a web server... We can't stream this online on on your Twitch or yeah. something. They didn't give a shit. No, I don't. So. I don't care for NBC at all. It was uh, the beginning of that deal. It was just something. It was just a different network for me to watch hockey on. So it was kind of nice in that sense. Right. It was a different voice and yeah. stuff like that. But you're kind of right. And like without Doc Emmerich and um, like even like with without Mike Tirico, like you know, Mike Tirico works for ESPN too. Like he'll still call ESPN shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you're losing some of the voices. So if that's what you're holding on to as a hockey fan, then what the hell are we doing here? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, very excited to see what happens. I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, Stephen A. Smith on the NHL. Uh, the, oh. A lot of people are getting pretty fired up about that. Oh, my God. Um, anything to help grow this game. And, like, listen. You, I... Wow. <laughs> I... If Stephen A. Smith actually starts watching hockey... It's, it's, oh my god. I can't even, I, gotta, I can't even find words. I love Stephen A. Smith so much. I used to hate him. I used to hate him because I didn't really, get I didn't get enough exposure. <laughs> yeah. And then I started watching him and I'm like, this, this guy's the coolest fucking guy. He's an idiot, but also is, is amazing. Like, he's, he's so good. If you're not familiar with Stephen A. Smith, uh, you're gonna be, by the looks of things. Yeah. You um, see his video? Yeah. The top, the top five. five. <laughs> the puck is black. The top five things yeah. that I know about hockey. And they were like four things that I didn't even know because I don't watch ESPN. And then the other thing was that the puck is black. Yeah. Barry Melrose like dress cool is thing. nice, I guess. Yeah, he's That's talking about cool. Barry Melrose. And I'm sitting yeah. here like, fucking Barry Melrose still on TV? Like, it's like we're from different worlds a little bit, yeah. you know, in that sense. But yeah, I, I love Stephen A. I think uh, he's a lot of fun. There are a lot of shitty things uh, about the various shows that Stephen A. is on that um, 
I don't like about ESPN, but I think Stephen A is a lot of fun. So if he's getting into hockey, I think it's going to be very good for the sport. Yeah, uh, and, and and one thing I do want to add, and I am stealing this from a, a podcast that I do listen to, but um, like let's just like give these people a break when you know if 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 ESPN is going to put exciting personalities in a position to thrive in the game of hockey, and and they don't know every fucking little detail, especially up here in Canada. Yeah. Like, we got to just fucking lay off social media a little bit when it comes to, like, when yeah. Stephen A. Smith doesn't know that, you know, it's it's offside, not offsides, or or something stupid like that. Like, just let it go. He'll get there. It's a seven-year deal. <laughs> but, yeah, might be slow out of the gate. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're a hockey fan and you're offended by people not knowing things about your sport, mm-hmm. um, you haven't been a hockey fan very long or very intently because that shit has been around forever and it is never going to go away. Like, I, I don't care. What the hell What the hell does it matter? If yeah. it, it's not a bad thing that people are talking about your sport. I, I think people underrate the power of conversation. Right, because like that—that's kind of what we're getting at here, right? Like we want—we want something to talk about. And what happened with was I, I went to a hockey game one time when I was nine years old, and I haven't stopped talking about it since. And and that's kind of where sport all kind of comes down to, right? Is mm-hmm. if you're not going to talk about it, then how much enjoyment are you really getting out of it, kind of thing? And um, yeah, with, ES, with these ESPN guys don't know shit, and I, I think that's perfectly fine. I think that was great. That was a perfect opening thing they could have done for Stephen A. Was just like, yeah, I don't know anything about hockey, but I'm gonna learn. Yeah, cool, perfect. That's that's awesome. And and if you hate it, then that's you know not as awesome. But like, if you're gonna try to like it and you're gonna put every bit of effort that your network's telling you to into learning stuff about the game, not even just talking about shit you aren't learning about. If you're trying to learn, that's awesome. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, one more quick thing I wanted to get to, only because it came up today, uh, before we get to our midseason awards, um, is Nikita Kucherov. Now, this is a guy that's been out all season long. He had a, a major surgery back in October, uh, and it was stated that he was going to miss a certain number of months, and that that would take him roughly to the playoffs. We we saw this a few years ago with Patrick Kane, has a big injury. They sit him out on LTIR. He shows up in the playoffs in 2015. They go on. They win the Stanley Cup. And the whole yeah. year... Yeah. I don't remember that. The whole year... Weird. They didn't have to, you know, have his cap hit on on the books. And they were able to pick up some pieces at the deadline. And um, a lot of people were pretty pissed off about that. But at the end of the day, it was like, yeah, but Patrick Kane's actually hurt. It's, it's not like we're doing anything... He didn't miss that much time. Maybe I've, maybe 2013 and 2015 I have mixed up. But I, I remember it was the year that they won the Cup. Uh, that he was placed on LTR with a big injury. Um, that different guy, maybe. It couldn't have been Kane. Kane's only missed about 40 today. games in his career. Uh, uh, regard, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Okay. It, it doesn't matter. But regardless, like we all knew this about Kucherov. This is how the system works. I don't think a lot of people were pissed off to begin the, you know, the, the, the season. But he's back on the ice today. He's practicing with the team, and we're still talking about him being out long enough that he's not going to show up until the playoffs. With his $9.5 million still sitting on LTIR, hmm. with the Tampa Lightning still being able to go out and, you know what, we want to go pick up a guy at the deadline, and then we get Kucherov in the playoffs. It left a lot of people with a sour taste in their mouths when, when they heard about this. Now, now he wasn't taking line rushes. 
But he was out there with the team. This wasn't a solo, I'm going to take a couple laps and try out the try out the hip. He seemed to be at a state where he's close to a return. Yeah. And even if he's even if he's a month away, even if he's two months away, that still doesn't take you to the playoffs. But the Tampa Bay Lightning can continue to be rewarded in the sense that his $9.5 million comes off the cap. Um, I guess where I'm going with this is, is, is there some sort of obligation on the NHL or at the team level perhaps that we need to do a better job of making sure that these guys are where they are being said that they're at? By you know, by their GMs or or whoever's making these decisions, like should there be uh, a second opinion uh, going in there and saying like, yeah, you know, uh, you seem pretty healthy. You know, it's 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 a really hard conversation to have because I don't think anyone can definitively say whether Nikita Kucherov is ready to go, other than Nikita Kucherov. But they're. The defending Stanley Cup champions that are sitting in first place in their division, and by all accounts, they're going to have a huge relief all season long, and then get the perk right in time for the playoff push. Just to me, something seems off there. I uh, I was thinking today about how you and I haven't had a lot of uh, issues that we've disagreed on lately, and uh, I think it's fun. I couldn't disagree with you more. Um, I I first off. This issue, the idea of this issue bothers me a lot, for sure. The, I don't, I don't want anyone circumventing the cap in any sort of okay. situation, um, to to the smallest little dollar, and it's one of those things where uh, even as a Leaf fan, because they pull a lot of stuff with the cap, like if if they do anything illegal, fucking throw the book at them. Like I, I am so so. I hate the idea of a cap not being black and white. And I think for the most part, the NHL's cap is. But the idea of, you know, someone not counting against a cap, but then if he comes back early, then he will count against cap. But you can't bring him back early. Then if you don't want him to count against cap, like all that shit, it's, that's just so annoying to me. But um, uh, my, my thing with Kucherov is that uh, I watched, I think, all of the videos. The reason being is because there's a couple leagues where he's available as a player and I wanted to know if I should pick him up or not. Uh, not because I gave a shit about this. I watched a lot of videos. Uh, he can't he can't skate. He can't skate at all. He, he looks like Justin Bieber out there on the ice right now. He can't take a stride. So uh, there are a lot of people who were uh, making it seem like, you know, um, is he ready or isn't he ready? Like... I, I vehemently disagree with everyone just kind of being like, what's he doing practicing with the team then? Well, what are they supposed to do? Fucking hide him? Like, he's a member of the team. He should be allowed to practice with the team if they want. COVID issues aside, if you've got an injured player, they should always be at the practice if they're able to skate. That's my viewership on it. Um, so I think there's nothing wrong with bringing him in and having him, um, uh, you know, just kind of do a couple things and, and say hi to the guys, because I think there's a really decent chance that he hasn't seen most of the players, even the whole time he's been out. Can't go on road trips or anything like that this year. So, um, I think that's fine. Um, I think if there were an issue of a team trying to do this, where it was vehemently a guy... Uh, sitting out so they could get around the cap. 
that the league should do everything to make sure that that isn't happening. Um, but I don't agree that this that's what's happening here because even though he is, I think, anyway, their highest cap hit player, I, I don't know why you'd sit out also your best player other than Hedman. You know, like well, it's, it's one of those things that they were looking to get around the cap, then fucking hit Tyler Johnson's knee with a tire iron in a parking lot late at night. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Who would you rather have in the lineup? Nikita Kucherov or Tyler Johnson? Sure. It's a, it's a different number. But like, if you have cap problems, then then do something like that. Uh, I, I I don't know why they would be sitting out Kucherov if it weren't something serious. Um, I'm not saying you're wrong about the Kane thing. Like, I I don't see any evidence that Kane that that ever really happened with Kane, and I don't remember that. But um, if a team wants to sit out their best player to even just rest him, and they're going to put him on LTIR, then sure, there needs to be some sort of investigation. If that's what's going on with Kucherov. Sure, I don't see any any evidence that that even makes sense to me, though. If it's happening, then throw the book at him. But I don't see it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't really want to get into a whole thing about it. Like, the videos of him on the ice this morning. I, I'm not sitting here saying that he's 100%. I'm not saying that he should be on the ice next week. But he's participating in practice. He's, you know, going down the ice with his teammates on a line, taking shots on net. Okay. Oh, I must have missed that video. To, All the ones I saw, he was just kind of doing the horseshoe and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, but like to me, again, like I said, the one when he first walks on the ice, like he looks like he can he can barely stride. Okay, I like I don't I, even know yeah. if that he I don't even know if he's been on the ice more than a couple times before mm. this. He he looked awful to me. Yeah, Tampa Bay Times reporting he was on the ice over an hour this morning and then took part in full practice with okay. his teammates. Well, he's probably been on the ice at some point then if it's an hour. But again, like it's it's just one of those things where like. You ask the question, like, why do they sit out Nikita Kucherov? Like, why why would you sit out your best player? Because you're in first place. Like, why bring him back? If if you are fighting for a playoff spot, yeah, sure, we need the help. Austin Matthews shouldn't be playing hockey right now. He probably should be sitting at home and fixing his wrist because something is uh, like clearly not right with mm-hmm. whatever he's got going on. We saw it last year with the Leafs when when John Tavares and Morgan Riley are trying to play through their injuries because the the team actually had to kind of fight to stay, you know, keep their head above water. Um, the Tampa Lightning don't have that problem. They can take their foot off the gas, and they should take their foot off the gas because they're in a division where they could show up at the rink every day and give a half-ass effort every night, and they're probably still going to have a winning record, and they're still going to make the playoffs, and that's when it counts. Mm-hmm. So why 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 do I care about a division title this year? If we finish second, we finish second, and we'll do do our damage then. So, yeah, like, 100% Nikita Kucherov should be purposely set at home for the betterment of the team to get as many pieces as you can at the deadline to bring in and have as, as much firepower going into the playoffs. And, look, I'm, I'm not saying, like, that that's what's happening. I'm just saying, like, there's smoke. I assume there's a fire somewhere. Sure. So... It's, it's fair enough, and... and... The issue itself, for sure, um, I, I am definitely, you know, do your due diligence to yeah. see if there's something shady going on there. I and, just, and my I, team I, did I, shitty shit for years. I'll, com- I'll admit to that. I completely don't, I don't, I completely don't understand how um, that would possibly be what's going on here. I mean. I hope it isn't. You know. Yeah, I mean, if, if I, I just, it, the, log, the 
literally I can't get any further than just breaking down the... When I hear something like this, it's, does it logically make sense? That's the first question I ask. And this one, it's no. So I haven't even thought about it any further. That It doesn't make sense to me that that's something that they would do. Um, you know, uh, it's if they want to get around it, sure. But it, it's just, it's one of those things like... The basic investigation to me starts and ends with, did he actually have a hip surgery? Because if the answer is yes, he might never fucking be good again. Like, he had a hip surgery. Hip surgeries are so fucking tricky. Sure. The only thing that is, the only thing that sketches me out more when I'm evaluating an athlete is, does he have a concussion history? That's number one. And the number two, how's his hip? Hips are so tricky, man. Like, trust me, as someone who had a fucking bad hip and I thought I was going to have to have a replacement when I was, you know, really nervous and reading WebMD late at nights, I, 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 there are a lot of things that can fucking go wrong. Even for your high-end surgery, there is super... I, I feel like I read something that Kucherov's was experimental, too, even. Mm-hmm. Like, that. Like if that's the case, he, he might not be right for a couple of years. Like, who knows? Right. And he's already not a... Yeah. Super fast skater. And that's why we have an LTIR. Just, yeah, exactly. And, and and it's one of those things. I'll admit the only thing for me where I was like, okay, but like I don't know what happened behind closed doors was everyone raising the point where, you know, a couple other people had hip surgeries this offseason and they had it done a couple months earlier than Kucherov. Okay, sure. Yeah, a little weird that it happened just after Christmas when the season starts. You know what I mean? Maybe they chose to wait later to have it done to do it that way Mm -hmm. but he's clearly fucking hurt and it's the idea of him coming back and it's just like and then they're gonna get their best player back and it's like yeah well if he sits out the whole season and he's coming back game three of the fucking eastern conference quarterfinals he's not gonna be their best player come on but he doesn't have to be you know sure yeah you know what i mean and they're they're in a situation where you know it, we saw it, it, last if, year with Steven Stamkos. If Dallas did the same thing with, uh, yeah, 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 they've done this before. <laughs> if Dallas did this with Sagan, right? Because Sagan's still at mm-hmm. home. If if they had waited longer with Sagan, I would be way more like, well, they, they're not good. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why would they ever do that? Yeah, Tampa Bay's good. I understand that part of the yeah. conversation. I but. just, I, I'm, I, again, I, I can't stress enough that I'm, I'm not accusing anybody. I'm just saying I hope this isn't the case. It might be the case, and we should probably be doing something about it if it is the case. Because, like, going back to it, my team did sh- uh, shady shit. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs benefited from, you know, circumventing the cap in certain ways, and they really shouldn't have. But, you know, I turned a blind eye, and you know what? If the league came down and punished them, I wasn't going to be the guy that stood up and said, how dare you? But, yeah, that's probably right. I never got to go to Robidoux <laughs> Island. Where was my trip? No kidding. Um, okay, so... Kucherov, we'll, we'll keep an eye on. We'll see uh, exactly how that hit progresses, uh, getting closer to the, the trade deadline and, and, and all the corresponding moves that may or may not result. It's the Mid-Season Awards. It's it's uh, the Laced Up Hockey Podcast. Uh, we did the uh, preseason awards way back in October. Uh, nope, we didn't. Not in October, anyway, because uh, the season started late. So we did these on January 14th. We uh, told you all about uh, who we thought... Uh, would be winning awards and, and finishing in certain spots in the standings and, and all that good stuff. Uh, so we're about uh, 29 to 25 games, depending on your COVID situation in terms of games played around the NHL. So it's as middle of the season as you can get on a 56-game schedule. Um, and uh, we thought we would uh, take some time and, and kind of 
maybe you know backtrack on some predictions that we thought um maybe uh stick to our guns and a few others that we're really starting to like now um but in any case uh we'll we'll go through it and uh we'll see how things compare to uh the the way we saw the landscape uh way back at the uh early days in january um okay so where would you like to start do you would you want to do the awards first do you want to talk about like where where you had teams finishing in this in the standings or um um well yeah I, I, it doesn't matter to me whatever you want to do okay well, let's 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 hit the awards. That's the fun stuff. People like that. People. Yeah, I, I feel like the awards is more. The awards might take a little while. It's hard to say, okay. right? So it's it's yeah. Let's start there. I'll I'll let you uh, 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 choose the award in order because I don't have mine or any rhyme or reason here. So uh, pick an award and and, what, and and we'll go from there. What are they doing? Just floating they're, out there in the atmosphere? Yeah, what do you mean? You don't have them equal. in order. Wouldn't, wouldn't they be in list form still? The Lady Bing winner is no more important than the Heart winner. Right. Right. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I would argue the award winner of any of these awards is not important regardless. So, uh, yeah. I will say uh, one thing is that I did most of my mid-season awards uh, like four or five days ago. Mm. And the fun part about doing a mid-season awards during the course of a 56-game season is that... You missed three uh, games. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there might be a guy here that uh, I don't want on these awards anymore anyway, but... Uh, going off the numbers, I guess uh, start with the Calder. Maybe? Sure, Calder. Oh, that's a good one because I got a conversation for that if it gets to it. Sure, uh, Calder Trophy. My award voting for sure. The, the way the ballot usually works is you submit five names, but for our purposes, we I think we just did three um, because you know I didn't even do three for the preseason, but I did do three for the midseason. So. Okay. okay, well, yeah, preseason. Yeah, yeah, no, there was no need to do it preseason, but now, now this is actually because there's we got a, evidence. There's PH. No, right. it's PHWA award voting. Normally, they do their their midseason ballots. They submit like an actual, you know, a ballot what they would do at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, Calder Trophy. My number one place uh, voter is uh, of course Alexis Lafrent. No, um, it's it's Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, second place is Kevin Lankinen of the Chicago Blackhawks, and my third place voting is Capo Kakonen of the Minnesota Wild. Okay. Um, what was your preseason Calder pick, by the way? Uh, oh, I don't, I don't have it in front. Oh, of, I okay. don't have no, those in front fine. of me. I would assume. Oh wow, actually, it's in the same document. That's I didn't that's find how I that. did mine. I have like eight documents <laughs> open at all times with like an assortment of random notes, but it happened to be on the same document. My uh, preseason pick was Alexis Lafreniere. Okay. Um, my my uh, preseason pick was Tim Stutzel, who I spelt the way that they had on the jerseys that the Sens released at the time. Um, and now uh, I have Tim Stutzler spelt the German way with the umulet over uh, the U uh, in first place from the Ottawa Senators. I have Kevin Lankinen from the Chicago Blackhawks in second, and I have Kirill Kaprizov in third from the Minnesota Wild. And I know... That sounds absolutely bat shit. Say it again. Bananas. Sorry. I have Stutzla, Lincoln, and Kaprizov. Okay. And I'm only like, and this is uh, the 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 hill I'll die on because I realize that Kirill Kaprizov is probably going to win this award, but <laughs> well, he, he probably right, shouldn't. So, like, we we had a whole issue in the NHL 25 years ago where we had to change the qualifications for the Calder Award because Sergey Makarov. This Russian pro shows up. He's 32 years old. 
he has like 90 points or whatever as a defenseman for the Flames and, and wins the Calder Trophy. And everybody was like, well, what the hell? He played 10 years pro. So the NHL changed the ruling on what constituted a rookie and made it that the player had to be under 27 and couldn't have played more than 100 NHL games or 70 NHL games or whatever the number was. And that's really not the way that they should have done it. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Kirill Kaprizov because he isn't a 31-year-old rookie that came in and and won and is going to win the award. But he did play a lot of pro games before coming in the league. And I think what Tim Stutzla is doing in Ottawa is a lot more impressive than what the 24-year-old that has played against men for multiple years. Plus, Tim, Tim Stutzla was playing in the German pro league. If as a kid. if he did, he it was a year at most. Because he's only 18 now. Like, this is a yeah. this is a guy in Kro Kaprizov that played four, five, six years in the in the KHL. Um, so I, I think the cap on the rookie recommend, like qualifications has, has to take into consideration pro games more so than the age. If you sign a 31-year-old beer league player and he shows up and lights the fucking league on fire, that guy should win the award! That guy should absolutely, hand down, like, win the award for Rookie of the Year. Who cares if he's 31 years old? That's fucking incredible. I think the 18-year-old is a little bit more impressive than the 24-year-old, all things considered. And I concede the fact that he will not <laughs> beat Kaprizov in, in this mold. I, um... Uh, it's not even that I'm making fun of you. It's just one of my favorite things about that whole argument has been the amount of different ages that I've heard for Kirill Kaprizov has been a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> he's anywhere from 23 to 30 when you talk right. to people. Like, he's 23. Like, everyone... 24, not bad. I've heard 25... With people, like, believing it in their heart of hearts, 26. Yeah. No, he's different than Panarin. It's a different guy. Like, he, he's a different age. Yeah, he'll, he'll be 24 um, in a month, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I... Six I years in the KHL. Don't don't agree at all, but that's perfectly fine. Uh, my next was the Vesna, is okay. what I have. The Vesna trophy. The one that the GMs pick, right? Yeah, this will go well. Um... <laughs> What, would would you care to go first? Because I sure. might even revise my picks actually while we're while we're even in that uh, conversation. My, my preseason and uh, fuck, I call it the Martin Jones there rule for the rest of the there it is the rest of the existence of this podcast. Because hey. I, I got to stop picking Vesna winners. Who Carter, was Carter Hart was my preseason Vesna winner. Hey, don't worry, mine was John yeah. Gibson. <laughs> yeah. They've been the same. Mm. They've had the Haven't same season. Uh, my finalists, though, for the midseason are in first place, Andre Vasilevsky from the Tampa Lightning. In second place, Mark andre Fleury from the Vegas Golden Knights. And in third place, Capo Kakinen from the Minnesota Wild. I'm sorry, Vasilevsky, Fleury, Capo Kakinen? Yeah. yeah, that's um, that's that's perfectly fair. Uh, my, uh, my preseason pick was John Gibson. Uh, my picks as of right now, my number one vote is Andre Vasilevsky. My number two vote is Marc-Andre Fleury. My number three vote I, I wrestled with a little bit, but I, I actually went Semyon Varlamov. Um, and it is one of those things where Varlamov is strictly a system goaltender, but I think he's been very good in that system. I would argue all three of those guys are system goaltenders, but two of them are on an incredible team, and then the other one is on a decent team that plays great defense. So, um, yeah, I went Varlamov number three, but I it's, think Kakonin's a good pick. It's just more so uh, 
I'm a I'm for I don't know even why I'm just more impressed with Varlamov so far. But and it's it's interesting that you say that. And I a hundred percent had Varlamov on my radar. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you caught it. There was a really weird statement that Barry Trotz made when he came out and talked about how uh, Sorokin was going to start getting the majority of the starts down the the, the stretch here, if you want to call it the stretch. Okay. So I don't know if Varlamov's dealing with something, but. When I saw that, it just made me kind of consider the fact that while he's having a fantastic season, he just might not have the numbers in terms of like games played to, to kind of get over the hump. But mm-hmm. a, a very good pick, all things considered, and I, I hope that. Yeah, I mean, like, and it's it's mid season pick. It's not prediction. This is this this is more who would I vote for the award right now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's right. it's not a prediction. Like uh, my number four was Grubauer. For what it's worth, I oh, yeah. wrestled with Grubauer and Varlamov, and sure. Uh, since I made my choice, Grubauer has been very good in the past couple games. But yeah, um, my, my I have Norris next. Norris is my next one. Okay. Uh, fun year for a Norris vote because I think uh, every year. Norris I thought about uh, for sure longer than I thought about any award. Uh, I spent most of I spent probably three or four hours thinking of what I would do for a Norris. Because uh, I think it's tough. I really don't think that there is a... Uh, it's so hard to analyze this. There's a perfect answer, really, yeah. so far. And especially when it's... You know, we're talking through 20-something games, right? Like, if it's if it's mid-season award and we're going off of 41, 45 games, it's a little different, right? But mm-hmm. um, my number one vote... Uh, shocks me, too. Uh, Charlie McAvoy is my, is my vote for the North so far. Uh, my second place vote is Victor Hedman, and my third place vote, similarly to last season when uh, Dougie Hamilton got hurt, my third place vote is Kale McCarr. The only reason Kale McCarr is not my first place vote is that because he's played ten less games than the other two guys. I think Kale McCarr has been the best se- best defenseman in the league when he's been healthy this year, but he's played seventeen games or something like and that. And who's your it's, preseason? It's very hard to to gauge off of that. Um, my preseason pick. Was Victor Hadman. So, there you go. Yeah. Uh, my preseason, preseason pick was Zach Wrenski. Oof. Mm. <laughs> I'll own it. Oof. I'll own it. Oh my. Well, I mean, fair enough, though, but still. Uh, I got Victor Hedman in first by a lot. Like, uh, I, I don't know if it's worth even mentioning that I picked two other guys because I think this is kind of in the bag for him. Sure. Uh, Sam Gerard, I have in second. Having a fantastic season. He, he is looking really good, especially all things considered with the uh, time missed from McCarr. And, uh, yeah, and when Gerard's missed time too, right? So right. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. Similarly, uh, much, when but... you talked about the uh, comparison to Dougie Hamilton, I thought we were maybe going in the same direction here with our mm-hmm. third pick. Uh, I went with Alex Petrangelo, who might not be a great pick in third because he is now going to miss a lot of time, apparently, according to uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. But uh, I thought he was having a really Really quietly, very good season in, in, in Vegas. And Is that more analytics then, I guess? A little bit more analytics, been, a little bit he, more... He's taken a hit on the eye test this year. A lot of people yeah. have just been like... 100%. I, I remember seeing a tweet like during the outdoor games just being like, what the fuck is wrong with Alex Petrangelo this year? And it's like, well, he's on a new team. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think he, he's been particularly he's, he's good. He's also got that I, whole I, like lifetime achievement award type of feel to him sure. a little bit especially with the new team where you could maybe make that the crutch that well and, and this year too where you could pick 
23 guys to win the North. Yeah. It's just like, no you know, shit. like there have been a lot of defensemen that have played very well this year, but it's a pretty open-ended like you 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 could have given me six different names that we didn't talk about mm-hmm. and like it's probably yeah, still yeah. going to be close. Yeah, the the you know what? The only thing uh, for me is just Hedman has nowhere near the analytical numbers that that McAvoy has. Like it, it doesn't matter what you value, it's it's not even close, right? But like you watch them They've both been very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the raw numbers, like just points and shit like that. Like McAvoy has gotten most of his points uh, five on five, whereas Hedman's gotten most of his on power play. Like I, I, I don't have it in front of me. I want to say he has like twelve power play points of his twenty six or something like that. Uh, right here, sixteen. So he has ten even strength points, whereas McAvoy has. Um, uh, I can't find it here, but it's more than that. McAvoy has seventeen points this year. Twelve of them are even strength. Like, you know, it's similar numbers for me. And then once it got down to that, I just, I was looking at other things a coin when I've point. watched yeah. them play. You know, I think Hedman's probably the better defenseman. If I were picking a team, I would pick Hedman over McAvoy. But who's had the better year? I think McAvoy. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I keep forgetting I'm running there. <laughs> um, Selkie is what I've got ah, next. Yes. Selkie I had fun with. Selkie was another one I spent the, some the time Mark on. Stone Award. Yes, uh, not for me this time around, but he is very high. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I've, I've given him, oh, sorry, who did I pick? Uh, my preseason award was Patrice Bergeron. Hmm. How I mean, original. Never horrible. Yeah. But. Uh, who could have foreseen. Yeah, and uh, who could have foreseen. He's also not in my voting because uh, I never vote for him. Mm-hmm. But um, Alexander Barkov. Is actually my number one. I give him a lot of, uh, I give him a lot of heat over the years. I don't think he's as good defensively as people make him out to be. And then this year, people aren't putting him in their selkie conversations. And I think this is the best fucking season he's ever had. So, uh, Barkov number one for me. Joel Erickson Eck number two for me. That's a and, very interesting uh, pick. Mark Stone is number three though. Like Mark Stone has just. He doesn't have your basic analytical numbers, but there are a few things where you could just look at Mark Stone and be like, it's uh, freakish. Uh, the biggest one for me is that Mark Stone has killed 26 minutes worth of penalties this year. And in that time, the Vegas Golden Knights have allowed four shots on net and have gotten seven. They're out shooting teams when, when they're shorthanded the and Mark Stone's on the ice. Mm. That's fucked like that's insane there are there are other things where it doesn't support stone but i i do think stone is just insanely good for a defensive winger i've said the point on the podcast but yeah erickson x been great for me he reminds me a lot of sammy paulson this year big um, fan of him and my fantasy team for sure yeah yeah, yeah. he's a good player and but i i think barkov's just been um there's no metric there's no eye test that can take anything away from him this year i think he's been the best defensive forward so far but there's a lot of year left uh, my preseason pick was Mark Stone. Mm. Uh, my midseason pick is Mark Stone, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I, this goes back to the whole Tim Stutzla, Kirill Kaprizov kind of pick. I am going to die on the hill. Like I, I, I may go out of my way to never pick a centerman at at, at number one again, just on purpose. Like like they could have the best defensive season. They they could have Patrice Bergeron. All four Selkie wins level caliber in, in one season type of play as a centerman. I'm, I'm probably still not picking you. Uh, I want to see a winger win this award. 
There's nowhere in the award description that says it has to be a centerman. No. We've all agreed that apparently it just has to be a centerman um, for whatever reason. So I, I'm going to stick with Mark Stone there, number one. Uh, number two, I'm going to Anze Kopitar, a guy that's won it a couple times in the past, um, who I think is having a, a pretty underrated season, uh, defensively speaking, for the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, you know, a, a team that, by all accounts, is, I think, doing better than people thought they would, but still not great overall. Uh, and in third place, um, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling a little nostalgia here because uh, if, if you recall, Brutes, in 1993, uh, Doug Gilmore set a franchise record for the Toronto Maple Leafs with a 127-point season uh, and did not win the Hart Trophy. And the NHL went, you know what? You did a lot of good things this year, kid. We're going to give you the Selkie. And the Selkie somehow became this, like, consolation prize to not winning the Hart Trophy. And uh, I'm, I'm giving this year's Selkie Trophy to Austin Matthews because, uh, in, in third place, sorry, in, in third oh, place. Oh, I was going to say. Um, because that's just a little nostalgia. I'm voting for him third, but I'm giving it to him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, Austin Matthews, um, definitely a consideration. You know, my number four vote actually uh, was was going to be Mark Shifley. And, uh, oh, so good. Austin Matthews was not far off, but I, I looked at Kopitar, too. I, I think that there were uh, probably... Seven or eight names that I came down to, but it was hard to take away uh, the guys that I did. Now, uh, I, I remember we talked before we actually entered the conversation on the podcast. Um, I did my Lady Bing voting. Did you do yours? Yeah, I, I figured it out. You're good? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know if it's going to be great, but... Well, the nice thing about the Lady Bing is I check uh, I check two things. How many minor penalties do they have? Uh, how many points do they have? And then um, maybe some analytics numbers. And then uh, do I think that they're actually behave like a nice person on the ice? That's, that's basically it. You okay. know, I, and that's partly why I think this award's kind of dumb. But, uh, and so do you. My number one vote is uh, Adam Fox. My number two vote is Karel Kaprizov. My number three vote is Anze Kopitar. Okay. Oh, uh, preseason pick. Did we do that? I don't think we did. No, we did not. Preseason pick. I would have picked uh, Adam Fox. Of course. Sure, you would. Um, <laughs> of course, I would have said Adam Fox. My uh, Lady Bing, and this also once again goes hand in hand with my issues with the Selkie and the Calder. Uh, my Bing pick is Jacob Slavin because a defenseman hasn't won this award in 145,000 years. <laughs> That's right. He has one penalty this season. Okay. Uh, my second place pick is the guy that won it last year, Nathan McKinnon, who has one penalty this year. And my third place pick is Alex Petrangelo, also a defenseman who has one penalty this year. Okay. So, a lot Pretty of good. penalty, not you, free. But. You know you know what sold it for me on Kaprizov is that uh, Kaprizov has drawn 14 power plays, I think, for his team. I, I don't have the number in front of me. 14. And every single time he gets tripped, he just gets up. <laughs> just like smiles and it's just like... He he's just he he is just a breath of fresh air. I I, I love him very much already, and uh, I'm sad yeah, that he's I'm just a real swell guy. I'm sad that I'm going to have to buy a Minnesota Wild jersey, but I am getting the North Stars reverse retro right? Kaprizov. Yeah, that's on my. There's uh, no question about that. That's on my grail list yes, for sure. Yes, sir. Jack um, Adams is what I. Oh, Joe, sorry, Jack. Yeah, Jack. Good Fort William. Did you have guy. something else you wanted to say? No, nope. no. Nope. Jack know. Adams. What I have next. Uh, enjoyed this one. This this was mm. a fun one. Mm. I it was between four guys, really, oh, okay. at the end of it. Okay. Um, 
You're and, honest. I like that. And you know what? It's perhaps to a fault that I consider myself not a homer because I think I have an anti-Toronto bias in trying not to be a homer. My honorable mention is Sheldon Keefe, but I didn't go with him on my ballot. Um, number one is Rod Brindamore, and I think it's a it's a it's it's not a runaway. I think. Uh, for everyone, but for me it is. I, I think what Rod Brindamore has done is super, super impressive. Uh, number two for me is Craig Berube, and number three is John Cooper. Okay. Cooper, Cooper. Cooper and Berube were... It was hard to put them in order, but I'm a little more impressed with what Berube's done. It's almost like you expect John Cooper's teams to be good. Yeah. And, and that Cooper almost probably is the best coach him. in the league. Well, that's the so. thing, right? Like, you talk about him every year, and, and who like who's the gold standard, right? Like, like John Cooper's the gold standard. He has been for 10 years. Yeah. Does he have a Jack Adams? I don't think he does. I think he does. Right. Like, yeah. So, I, if it were me giving it to who I want to give it to, I'd probably give it to John Cooper. But I'm a little more impressed with what's going on in Carolina. And I'm very impressed in St. Louis. Because I, I don't think St. Louis is near the team on paper. That Carolina and Tampa Bay is. Now, should they give Craig Berube a six by six million dollar contract? I'd rather him. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I'd rather. Oh, I'd rather not. them. I'd rather they give him that contract to play. I don't know if you remember Craig Berube nah. playing, but nah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, sorry, who was your preseason pick? I don't know if you. Oh, uh, my Jack Adams preseason pick, Peter Laviolette. I actually did consider him too, though. He, he Now that I think about it, he was probably fifth. He was the only guy I didn't actually put on my ballot hmm. that I thought about giving it to him. You know what, though? I will I will give Laviolette this much. He he was close to my ballot for a bit because I'm super impressed with how he's managed the whole COVID shit with Washington, right? Like, there, there was a lot of issues going on there with the Capitals and, and people missing some time. And uh, with Peter Laviolette, yeah, I... Uh, I, I'm quite impressed with what he's managed to do there. So, but but yeah, my number one votes Rod Brandemore. Like the, the the Hurricanes are awesome. So that's a that's. I that's, think now to the scary thing about the Hurricanes. I, I don't want to make this declaration too early, okay? But now that the Hurricanes might have a goalie, holy do time. they? Mm. I like Nadelkovic. I've always liked him, and I was wondering when he would get a chance and. Yeah, I think they might. I, I like you make a really, really, really good point with Brindamore. I think I've just become like almost complacent with him. Like I expect him to be good, so I don't have him on my ballot. But I, I probably should. My favorite thing about Brindamore too is when he got hired, everyone was like, "What the fuck are they doing hiring this guy that's never coached anywhere ever?" He's never well, coached before. Yeah, but you and can't it's like, blame them because how many teams go out there and hire? Oh, hey, it just so happens that the former star right. player of our franchise. No, but that's what I mean. Like that's why, I'm, like now that I'm looking at it, it's like he's the best coach in the NHL. Maybe yeah, like yeah. it's fucking awesome. He's yeah. crazy good, and it's like he had no experience ever. All he was going off of was what he'd seen from other coaches. Like he'd never done the job before, mm. and he's the best in the league, other than John Cooper, probably. Hey, but I'll, I'm still I'll, going Brendan Morning. I'll make him my honorable mention because I sure. probably should have him here, but I don't. That's fine. Uh, my preseason pick was Dean Nevison in Minnesota. Mm. Uh, my uh, first not place, terrible, even though I think I roasted you as you as really recently did. as last week. You yourself, I think, though, you were just like, <laughs> "Oh man, what a bad pick!" Yeah, ten days go by, and it's like oh, a good pick. My first place uh, Jack Adams Award winner is Dean Nevison from Minnesota. That's fine. Uh, they're... <laughs> Second place in that division. Yeah, I don't, I don't get think how. anybody had them down for that. I, I remember watching a game the other night too, and I'm watching like Marcus Foligno. 
looks like in a good way, Tom Wilson out there. Like he looks like a legitimate like power forward. Yeah. Like what the fuck is happening? Well, I I think it comes down to two things: is that Kirill Kaprizov, like wow, 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 wow. Okay. He's great. Like we, so, but we, oh well, we kind of thought maybe that that would happen. Like that was this it was is, a, it was a possibility. I didn't yeah. think I'd be in lo- in love with him right. to the degree. And that the I other am. thing is, is that none of us saw uh, Dean Everson going out and saying to Capo Kekin, oh, "Just play like a nine twenty three, and we'll be fine." Because yeah. we all thought we were going to have like Cam Talbot, Cam and Talbot, Nett, and, yeah. and yeah, Kekin has so, been great. Kekin has really saved his. Uh, uh, saved the season for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, in second place, I have Paul Maurice. And last year, I had Paul Maurice on my list. Interesting. Because I, I think Paul Maurice deserves a hell of a lot of credit for what's going on in Winnipeg. He's kept that group afloat um, despite all of the drama that's going on off the ice with Patrick Laine and even, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's had to come to the defense of his captain. He lost an entire side of a defense core last year. Made it work. He didn't get much more <laughs> this year out of that defense. Like... They have six good defensemen this year, but that's about it. Like, they have six NHL defensemen. Sure. Yeah. Which they didn't have last and, year. And I would actually even argue that they don't. I think they actually have five. But And I, I think he's doing an absolutely fantastic job for the Winnipeg Jets. He never seems to get a lot of credit for some reason. He always seems to be on the hot seat, which I don't understand. Uh, I, do, I do understand it now that I write about them, but it, like, I, I don't me, even disagree with you either. He he's a polarizing option. It's really hard uh, to say. For for me, it's like he's only on the hot seat because he's been around for X amount of years. It's like yeah, well, to he's, some degree that's he's, he's been here for eight years. Sure. It's time to move on. Why is it time to move on? Has he done something wrong? Well, not really. Hmm. Okay, he just doesn't has he hasn't done, done anything super sexy lately. Sure, that's all right. He's not a sexy guy. He's and just, you know what the uh, thing is though with Maurice, like I'll give you I'll give you some credit here, and it's not that he's the first coach to do it. But the fact that he's gone all in with three forwards in overtime, I think it's, that deserves a lot of credit. It's Patrick because, Wall with the two-minute pull on the goalie. Sure. it's Exactly. Yeah. Because I think that that's some... I've always thought that that's something the team should be doing. Like, why the fuck not? You're, you're like, the whole thing about defensemen in overtime is like, well, you don't have a defenseman out there. What defenseman defends well three on three? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, who cares about having defensemen out there? It, it, it doesn't matter who's out there. It's three on three. Have a good forward who might help you fucking score a goal. And if they have a defenseman out there, you have three guys who might score a goal against their two guys. You know what I mean? Like, it's super smart to me that, that he's I, done I that. Was, anyway, I you was were saying. pretty pumped the other night when we were going overtime and the Jets, the road team in Toronto, they had to put the uh, the lines out first and they go the three forwards. I'm thinking, oh, come on, Keith, Do it, baby. Do it. Three forwards. Mm-hmm. And then he puts Morgan Riley out there who breaks his stick. And then it's just all forwards out there anyway, and Marner and Matthews kill it off, and they go up the ace and score anyway. So, well, like, what the fuck? Just put John Tavares out there, Willie Nylander, and you probably get the same outcome. <laughs> What's Morgan really doing? Nothing. He's getting a stick from the bench. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I had Maurice in second, and I had uh, Sheldon Keefe in third. Yeah. Yeah, I. you know what? I, I'm, I'm impressed with Keefe because... Um, because his goalie isn't giving him a 923 goal. Well, yeah, he hasn't had very good goaltending. And I mean, I will say that I actually do think they have a really good goaltender on the roster, but that's another debate for another episode. Um, I think that he's done a very good job adapting. I think when things clearly aren't going right for them, he, he knows. He knows his team. And I think a lot of coaches don't. I think a lot of coaches don't have a good grasp on actually what's going on in front of them a lot of the time. 
he has very good recognition of his players and, and what's happening. And he sees what I see, what everyone else sees. When they have a few flat shifts, he knows sometimes that it's headed toward that flatness that we saw for years under Mike Babcock that there was just no digging out of some nights. And he gets ahead of it. And he'll shuffle the lines to... It's gotten to the point where they have like fucking four or five optimal lineups, at least for their forwards, at any given time. And he goes into a night with one, you know, set and 36 minutes into the game it's not working. Before the second intermission he fucking flips the switch and tries something different. He deserves a lot of credit because I think he knows his team very well. So yeah, I, I think keeps a good option there. Going back to Maurice, I think it, it's an interesting one because I, I don't think he uses his lineup properly. But I don't think he's given, um, I don't think he's given a lot of options on that back end. Um, I've never really been able to sort of figure out for sure if the pairings are more of a Charlie Huddy choice or if it's more of a Paul Maurice choice. I do think it's more of a Maurice choice because I like a lot of what Charlie Huddy does with the defense back there. But um, I think they're. What to do with the pairings has been a huge, huge problem for the Jets in the past year and a half. But at the end of the day, if you're only giving Maurice what you've given him on defense, it's hard to say, you know what I mean, how much that falls on him and how much of that falls on Kevin Day off. Uh, I wrote an article this week, uh, I guess instead of plugging it at the end of the episode, I, I listed eight defensemen that I think they're going to target at the deadline. And I, I think there's a decent chance that they end up being a shocker in on David Savard and I think that would help a lot so uh with Maurice I think he's doing a good job with what he's given but he also is his own worst enemies and in certain hmm. I don't know it's an interesting one I think he's a guy that deserves some Norris recognition or not Norris uh, Adams recognition yeah because he's never really had that conversation about him um, and I don't know if it's just a result of yeah. him falling in. Like, we always see it with the coaches that, oh, okay, year one, you did something great. Boom, you're a Jack Adams trophy winner. Um, you get hired midseason and you turn the team around and you do something fantastic. Boom, you're a uh, Adams trophy winner. Or you're the Sonic Cup champion. And that's it. And, and Paul Maurice has never really fallen into any of those categories. He gets hired in Toronto and they're just not good. Like they're just—it's a bad time to be the bench boss in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, he's in Carolina. Oh, you go to the Stanley Cup Finals with a, a but like an Oakland Athletic Moneyball budget against yeah. the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, you know, fucking all Hall of Fame roster. That's a fantastic fucking season. And then he struggles a little bit, and then now he's in Winnipeg, and he's done such a good job in Winnipeg. But it—I I don't know if it like—is it just because it's in Winnipeg? Like no one gives a shit. It just for me, I think the guys do for some recognition here, and I'm not saying he, that he should win it, but he should be considered. He is at he is at a point where I don't I don't like the way that they play. As someone that um, that has to basically watch every single one of their games, I don't uh, I don't <laughs> love the way that that they're structured. Um, and I don't know how much of that is a Paul Maurice choice and how much of that is a Paul Maurice necessity. And that's a big thing to me is like, I, I've had a hard time reconciling, you know, how much of an option he has to have them play a lot of that way because, um, they are known as the league's biggest anomaly when it comes to puck possession, where they seem to win all the time, but they virtually, you know, when they get the puck, they hang on to it 
because they don't know what else to do. But when they don't have the puck in their own defensive zone, it is just... Like, they are up against the fucking ropes in their own zone. They cannot defend in their own zone to save their life. And uh, I don't I don't know how much of that is his fault and how much of that is uh, the defense. But I do think some of it is by choice. So I've, I'm always curious to see what's going to happen with him. But anyway. Uh, the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy, which uh, was a difficult one because... Uh, the season's not over yet. <laughs> it's yeah, that's, uh, yeah. That's all the, the teams nominated guys. So it's okay, the, the problem coming. thing is that we did this last year and the year before, and I think there were a lot of cut and dry stories. Uh, I got to be honest with you, I maybe didn't do as much research on it as I should have. There might be some stories that I am forgetting, but again, it's it's it, this awards become more or less of a feel good story. A guy that's maybe battled through some injuries and mm-hmm. and uh, shit like that that deserves some recognition. Um, so that's more or less what I went with is guys who have had, uh, maybe some difficult circumstances. My number one vote is, uh, Vincent Trocek of the Carolina Hurricanes, who, if you might remember, some people were worried that his career might be over about a year and a half ago because of, uh, I, I believe he's broken his leg twice now and he is a point per game player. And has been old, the old Vinny Trocek, basically, this year. So, uh, I think what he's done is is quite remarkable. Uh, my number two vote is Nolan Patrick, who didn't play for about a year and a half. And even though he doesn't have numbers to support it, uh, when I watch the Flyers, he is all over the ice. He's been great. He just can't, for some reason, get on the score sheet. It's maybe another piece of adversity that he somehow seems that he's got to deal with now. Uh, my number three choice is Mark Stahl. Because uh, Mark Stahl has been written off as pure garbage for a while now. Um, He has vision in his eye that probably should have forced him to retire a long time ago. He somehow not only managed to stay in the National Hockey League since then, but has actually been pretty good for the Detroit Red Wings this season. So... Uh, I think that that is super impressive, and I give him uh, some recognition there. My number four vote was Wayne Simmons at this point, but there might be someone I'm forgetting or something I don't know about. But uh, Simmons was my honorable mention. Fair enough. Like it's such a hard award to to judge, especially midseason. Like uh, we're going to hear a lot. It seems like every time we get close to the teams nominating their players, mm-hmm. that's when we find out the the hidden stories, the behind-the-scenes stuff. A few years ago, too, like Leonard getting nominated for his story about his mental health. Yeah. Like, I, I think Tyler Mott's going to have a big case this year. He's been a huge mental health advocate. Uh, Curtis Gabriel might be a guy, too, that you see in St. Louis who's done a lot of work. Sorry, I San Jose, who's done a lot of work for uh, uh, the LGBTQ community. Like, those are a couple guys, too, that I think their names are going to be out there, and mm-hmm. I'm... Um, you know what? There's no one that I'm ever going to be upset to see win the Masterton. If you get nominated for the Masterton, I've said it before, I think that is super badass. That would be the award that I would want to win. I feel like that's one where you where you should yeah. be super, super proud if you win it. The, the um, only one that I, I kind of... like, I think it's fucking hilarious still in hindsight, but yeah. the, the James Reimer in Toronto, the year he gets traded to, to San Jose, it's like, wait, wait, what are you nominating him for? Just the fact they had to put up with your fucking franchise for all season before going to the That's right. the Sharks. Fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah, ju- yeah. I mean, there, there's like ten guys that get nominated every year where it's just like, yeah, he works really hard. Hmm. 
Oh, what, has anything bad happened to him? It's like, no, his dad paid it all the, for all of his hockey growing up and uh, uh, then bought him his first house and now he uh, just pays the electrical bill off the millions of dollars he makes. The Florida Panthers nominate Yammer Yager for simply being old and playing hockey. Okay, I mean, well, that's yeah. fine. I can think of anything else, I guess. Jara might be the Capitals' yeah. uh, nominee. Uh, I, I, because, again, I, I, I know we're going to get some stories... As, as we move closer to the end of the season about guys that are going to be nominated for this award, I thought I would just take this time to talk about two guys that are having bounce-back seasons because there should be some sort of comeback player of the year award, and we don't have that yet. And until we do, I'm just going to use that time now. I think Nolan Patrick, for the record, is a fantastic option. I always forget they didn't play last year at all. And uh, the fact that he's been playing NHL hockey is phenomenal. So The, the amazing thing for me, just quick note too, is sure. the fact that he got hurt back in the day, and now he somehow seems to be better having not played a year and a half, basically. Right. He, yeah. Like, this is the best he's been. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Second cool. overall pick. I'm a big yeah. fan. Uh, I went with number one, Drew Doughty, because I think what he's doing in L.A. I is, thought about him. Like, I thought about come him. on. We all wrote that guy off, and he yep. wants to play for the Olympics, apparently, so yep. good for him. Uh, in second, I had uh, the... Uh, Sword man himself, Mark Andre Fleury, who I think everyone thought was on his way out of Vegas, who everyone yeah, uh, not a bad pick automatically either. assumed was going to be the backup, and and he's having himself a fucking year in Vegas, and he's what thirty five, thirty six years old. Good he's for him. awesome. Uh, my third spot is reserved for whoever gets COVID and comes back better, because I'm sure someone's going to get COVID, come back, and then the, like they're going to have a bad season before COVID. They're going to get it. They're going to come back. They're going to be even better. And what an adversity that guy has gone through to get back on track after fighting COVID. Okay. I think COVID is going to play into this year a little bit. It, it's a thing. I don't know if you've heard of it. it. It's this pandemic that's going around the world, and it's infecting a lot of people. I think who am I, I, th- I think it's Joel Farabee that I'm thinking of that had that that okay. that was like on the COVID protocol list twice, and he's like he's just been great this fucking season. Jo- you can edit this out if you want to, but my fantasy hockey co-manager, Joe Willis, has been bugging me to pick up Joel Farabee since, like, week two. And it's not that I'm against Joel Farabee. It's just like, Joe, we don't have anybody that we would, like, logically swap out to pick this guy up. Right. But every time it's like, we got to get somebody. Oh, we should get Joel Farabee. No, we don't need that position. <laughs> Drop it. You don't watch hockey. I get it. He looks great. The numbers are there. He's been good. But, like, let it go, man. We need a defenseman. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? like, yeah, yeah. Oh, we should get Joel Ferrett. It doesn't play the position, my guy. <laughs> Let's move on. Oh, my guy. Ooh. Um, I guess certainly uh, last but not least would be the Hart Trophy. Oh, are we not doing the other two awards that we did for preseason? Uh, which were? The Rocket and the Hart, Hart Ross. Well, I, ca- I can't put a ballot together for that because that's a statistical <laughs> award. <laughs> okay. But you can predict who might win those awards. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, if we want to follow up on our on if, our preseason if you don't want to, it's fine. No, I, no, I had mine. So. I think you and I kind of looked at this discussion a little we bit different. Have. This was our midseason ballots for the yeah. PHWA sort of midseason. Like okay. I almost added Rod Langway Award in here, but there's no point because we're not going to talk about it at the end of the year. So yeah. why would we bother doing it? Uh, you know what I mean? So, yeah, right. um, no, my Maurice Rocker Richard. Uh, if you just want to pick the three guys in the you know order uh, of the current race that's fine 
my uh, Maurice Rocker Richard pick was uh, Alexander Ovechkin. Hmm. Uh, my prediction is that he is not going to win that award. He because, might break a big uh, record one day, but this year maybe not his year. You know. Yeah. I will make an effort next time to not pick him in any fantasy league to help his case. Uh, who do I think's going to win? Like, he has a big enough cushion. I think Austin Matthews is probably going to win it. Uh, something's fucked with his wrist. And he keeps scoring goals even with something fucked with his wrist. So, I'm not saying he's not going to win it, but I, I, I think he's got a major wrist injury because he won't carry the puck uh, nearly as much as he used to. So uh, that unless that, I it's guess, an overtime against uh, yeah, Hellebuck, the apparently. only time he does anything all night and it was that I'll take it. Like if he wants to just yeah. show up in those moments, that's fine. Uh, so I'll take Matthews, but I, I do have a little bit of concern with it. I guess he's got a four point or four goal cushion on McDavid. Okay, who's a better goal scorer? Well, it's yeah. Matthews. So I, I you know I think him, but uh, my preseason pick was Austin Matthews. Nice. I'm going to stick with Austin Matthews. Uh, I do have David Pasternak in second, who is scoring at a ridiculous rate after coming back. I don't know if he's got enough runway to get to where Matthews he's is. Given he's given her. He's given it all he's got. Uh, and in third, I have Connor McDavid, because it's Connor McDavid. So. Yeah, Pasternak's fucking good. Oh, my God. He's got, like, what, 12 goals in good. 15 games or something stupid? I have no reason not to like him other than he plays for Boston, too. Like, even, yeah. even when I see him do interviews and shit like that, like the interview after the outdoor game... He's mint. Him and Nylander are boys. You know, yeah, yeah, he's cool. Yeah. Um, Art, Art Ross. Uh, my Art Ross. Oh, God. It's, it's fine. Oh, God. My, uh, my Art Ross pick was uh, Artemi Panarin. Oh, boy. Hey, look. What you lack in the offensive side of predicting, I lack in the defensive side of picking, apparently, with goaltenders and Norris picks. I mean, to my credit... Oh, please, don't... He has 19 points in the 15 games that he has played. Yeah, and fantastic. he's back now, but... I'm sure that won't affect him at all. He's not, he's not going to win. Um... Who do I think is going to win it? I yeah, I I'll probably say McDavid. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. I like pick. how I like how I'm making a bold prediction. Yeah. He's got a seven point cushion uh, on his fucking teammate. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. But but gets yeah, a lot no, of points I, with. He 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 looks like he's healthy, and that would be the only concern with me a little bit with McDavid. He's healthy. He's good to go. The only two people I see really challenging him. Uh, even when he's healthy, is dry saddle or cane at this point. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll go McDavid. Uh, I preseason had Connor McDavid from the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know if you know who that guy is, number 97. Mm-hmm. I think he borrowed that from I felt Kirill so, Kaprizov. I felt so good about my Panarin pick. Um, I, I still have McDavid in first. I have dry saddle in second, and I have Mitch Marner in third. Okay. 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 Uh, Hart Trophy. Uh, Hart Trophy, yes. Yeah. Uh, I have... Who did I pick? I pick. Uh... Uh, yeah. uh, I don't hate my pick, but it's definitely not making my ballot. I picked, uh... Artemi Panarin to mm, win the interesting. trophy. 
I feel better. I feel better about that than I do him winning the Art Ross. To be quite honest with you, because the Rangers were hot garbage without him. But uh, yeah, you got a nice Gary Thorne impersonation there, my guy. <laughs> Can't wait to work that into the rotation once he's back. Uh, my my ballot. Uh, it's Patrick Kane in first. It's Austin Matthews in second. It's Connor McDavid in third. I think you can shuffle the order around fine, but I don't. I don't really have anyone else in that conversation for me. Connor Hellebuck was the only other guy I thought of. Um, but yeah, the, these are three teams that are uh, in spots where I genuinely don't think they would be without these guys, and even with Hellebuck. Brassois good. Like he's a good goalie. Like I'm not saying that they would be quite where they are, but I think they'd still be in the hunt if Brassois had played 15 games this year. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's a good goalie. So yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's Kane, Matthews, McDavid. Um, my uh, preseason pick was Austin Matthews from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Big fan of his work. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got Patrick Kane in first. I've got Austin Matthews in second, and I've got Andre Vasilevsky in third. You know what? That's not a terrible pick. It's really not terrible. I I can't like I. They I, have not been. Well, they're like great. Go back to it. They're, they're, like, miss, they, like they're still they, missing top. They've been top seven team in the league. Yeah. It's just you come to expect Tampa to be insanely good, and they they haven't been dominant. You you expect them because they're not the best team in that division. You, you, you're, so supposed, far, you're supposed to have Kucherov. You're supposed to have they are, but they are Steven Stamkos. Who like he's he's good. He's actually playing this year, but he's nowhere near what we all thought he was going to be a couple of years ago. Right. Like Victor Hedman's good, but as you alluded to, it's it's mostly power play stuff. Braden Point, eh, it, it's fine. It's it's nowhere near what people I think thought he was Tam- going to be. Tampa just has off nights. Yeah, but. As Andre Vasilevsky, yeah. So yeah. I have a really hard time breaking up the McDavid Drysaddle thing. Um, yeah, I, I think McDavid is the most valuable player on that team, but it's so hard to like slice down the middle and, and say that he's so much more valuable than Drysaddle that he should be on a finalist ballot. And it goes both ways. It's and, easier for me this year. That was my sure. issue last year. I do think. Uh, I think McDavid's been McDavid this year, mm-hmm. and that uh, look, look like you know what the funny thing is too is like in saying that, like Drysaddle's having his best defensive season he's ever had. He's actually playing defense. Wow. And and yeah, and what I would say is that he's now maybe the tenth best defensive forward on that team. But like he's he's actually entering the defensive zone, right? Like like as much as I'm making fun of him, he he's like second or third in defensive takeaways all season of every player in the NHL. Like he he is playing defense. So I do think there's something to be said. But for some reason, McDavid just feels like he's locked into his level it's, this it's year. A year. And, it's, it's one of those years. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where. I think if you wanted to, and we don't have the time for it, but if you wanted to, you could probably pick apart that argument, mm-hmm. and that's fine for me. But, um, yeah, no, it, it, it's it's McDavid. The, the takeaway for me, too, uh, going back to it from Hellebuck, was that I had thought about Shifley. I and as soon as, Shifley. I shot about, yeah. as soon as I thought about Shifley, I'm like, I can't make that case for Hellebuck. It's the same dry sidle, yeah. but I, I, I didn't think about dry sidle this year. So I, I had Shifley on my list for the longest time, because I'm a little, I'm I'm not as high on Hellebuck as I think a lot of people are, so hmm. 
he, he stuck on the list for a while, but Hellebuck, like, I do have to give him some credit eventually, and he's, he's done enough where I, I took Shifley off the list, so. Um, okay, that's that's the midseason awards. Uh, really quickly, I know we're running uh, short on time, but I, I just wanted to recap and give a bit of an update as to where we stand on the preseason Sean McIndoe betting game. Uh, and oh, cool. we, we kind of alluded to this uh, a couple weeks ago about some of the coaching decisions that we made. Uh, but to, to recap, this this game works that you can pick uh, up to five answers for uh, any of these eight questions. And you uh, get one point for getting one right. And it accumulates from there. You can get up to 15 points on a single category uh, if you get all five right. But the problem is, is if you get one wrong, that's it. You don't get any points from that category at all. So... A uh, bit of a risk-reward situation. The first question was five teams that will definitely make the playoffs. Brutes, uh, you had the Avalanche, the Lightning, the Knights, the Flyers, the Capitals. I think you're looking pretty safe. The Avalanche, the Lightning. Knights, Flyers, Capitals. Okay. I think you're looking well, pretty safe. Yeah, there's still yeah. some danger there. Yeah, could, could, yeah, it's, not, it's not a slam dunk, but you're doing good. I have the Avalanche, the Lightning, the Knights, the Flyers, and the Leafs. I'd say you're a little more safe than okay. I am. Uh, uh, name up to five teams that will definitely not make the playoffs this year. You had the Senators, the Red Wings, the Blackhawks. No way. The Kings and the Sabres. Oh Uh, my god. uh, I took the Kings to not make the playoffs? Uh, Really? Why would I do that? Sorry. No, no, I I have this incorrect, the way the formatting uh, worked out. You had Senators, Red Wings, Blackhawks, that was it. I went five teams. Oh, okay. I went Senators, Red Wings, Kings, Sabers, and I also had the Blackhawks. So we're we're probably gonna draw even on that one. I would I would have to say. Well, you you might be you could be wrong twice there. I could be wrong twice. There. I don't think you will be, but you could once. Be. You, oh, right, it doesn't twice. matter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number three was name up to five coaches that will definitely not be fired or uh, otherwise leave their job before the first day. Uh, you had uh, Claude Julian, John Cooper, Jared Bednar, Sher- uh, Sheldon Keefe, and Craig Berube. You've already lost, unfortunately. So have I, uh, because I had John Cooper, Sheldon Keefe, Jared Bednar, and Jeff. Wow. Yeah. I just wow. figured. I just figured he was going to get an extra like. Season yeah, no, I remember you saying that. Yeah. Hmm. Number four, name up to five GMs that will definitely not be fired or otherwise leave their job before the first day of 2021 for agency. Uh, Brutes number one, Jimmy Rutherford. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh golden. Uh, not including any GM who was hired to the current job after January 1st, 2020. If you remember, that was a big key because I had Ron Francis, uh, who was hired prior to January 1st, 2020, and good for you. will not be fired. I also had Kyle Dubas, well, Joe Sackett. you never know. Well. He could get accused of some malfeasance <laughs> or something. Who knows? Cancel culture. He fucking uh, brought the Starbucks gift card to the wrong person. Exactly. I had Dubas, Sackett, and Breezebaugh as well. You had uh, Julian Breezebaugh, Kelly McCrimmon, Joe Sackick and Kevin Sheveldayoff. I think we're both doing fantastic there. Number five was name up to five goaltenders who will definitely start at least 60% of their team's regular season games. Uh, you had Connor Hellebuck, Andre Vasilevsky, John Gibson, and Mackenzie Blackwood. Sorry, I... You, you, sorry. Yeah. Again, I don't think I would have said Blackwood. Formatting issue again. I'm so sorry. Uh, you had Hellebuck and Vasilevsky, and that was it. You drew the line there. Yeah. I had Hellebuck, Rask, Gibson, and Blackwood. So you're in danger with Blackwood. A little bit. Not... not- it's not end of the world, but you're, you're floating around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, number six, uh, name up to five rookies who will be definitely in the top ten of Calder. Oh, I was waiting for this one. You had, I have no recollection yeah. of who I said. You had Stutzla, Kaprizov, Velarde, and Hoglander. 
Okay. Velarde's the scary yeah, one, but Hog- yeah. Hoglander was a good pick by yeah. me. That's good. I had Stutzla. Sorry, I had Kaprizov, right? Yep. Yeah. Thank Christ. I had Stutzla, Kaprizov, and I cut it after three, and I had uh, Igor Shesterkin. Top ten yeah. of voting? That's going to be a real close. Uh, yeah. The, couple, the injury hurts. Yeah. There's a couple goalies ahead of him, I think, at this the point. The injury so, hurts, yeah. yeah. Well, but it's a good year for rookie goalies, though. Like, even Sorokin's probably going to get some love, too, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's an interesting year because a lot of those skater rookies have just been a flop. So This one hmm. I think you're not going to be too pleased with. Number oh, seven was named up to five players who will definitely finish in the top 15 Hart Trophy voting. Okay. Um, I personally, I had uh, Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, and Elias Pettersson, who I, I probably am not going to get on yeah, the top I mean, 15. I, you're, you're probably fucked there. Uh, you went 5 for 5 here. You were really confident. You had Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Artemi Panarin, Connor Hellebuck, and Jack Eichel. Who, I mean, like I, I guess maybe he might get the votes, but it depends on how much time he's, he's going to miss here with this injury. Yeah. Uh, and the hmm. last one was name up to five players who are currently on an initial roster that will definitely change teams between oh, the start of the season and the end of the first day of free agency. Oh, uh, this includes being I picked. I remember you making a couple good picks here. Yeah. This includes being picked in the expansion draft, but does not include retirement. Okay. So this one is going to run a little later. We'll have to wait on this one a little bit. Uh, you had Tyler Johnson of the Tampa Bay Lightning, TJ Oshie, Taylor Hall, Oh, my, yeah, I think you're pretty good there. Uh, Zach Cassian and Sam Bennett. So you got some potential, but you got some long shots as well, I feel. I don't know who's yeah. picking up Tyler Johnson at this point. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I do think, I still genuinely believe Tampa's going to find a way to just throw a first-round pick at Seattle and get them to take Johnson. Because perhaps, of those perhaps. middle... I still think that's going to happen. Yeah, I still I still believe in that one. The Oshi one's the one. I'm literally just banking on them being like, let's bring in the hometown boy. Like that's what I'm banking on there. Right. And and him wanting to go and the Capitals wanting to exposing do that. him. But yeah. That's the big one for me. Cassie and I still I wouldn't be shocked at all. But that there's not a lot of rumor around him there. Uh, I had Patrick Marlowe because he is going to chase a cup somewhere. I assume. But there's no guarantees. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. It's hard to say, right? I think like, he'll be there. Like, it, it's only if San Jose does him a favor and takes on, like, a six-round pick or something, right? Like, maybe, but it's hard to say. Um, I had Pierre-Luc Dubois, so I've got that one nailed down. This one hurts, and I think the only way I, I, I salvage this pick is if, if he gets picked up by Seattle somehow uh, is Marc-Andre Fleury. Because Vegas can only protect oh. one. Oh, they Fuck. they can only protect one goalie. Wow! So who do they protect? But maybe they make that, a backdoor deal. I mean, deal. that'll be interesting. But that my, doesn't mind look you, good. Vegas doesn't have to expose anybody to the expansion draft. So no, I've no. I've lost on Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, that you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Although I uh, I will say that I finished strong. I had Taylor Hall and Eric Stahl from the Buffalo Sabers, who I'm feeling pretty good about at this point. But doesn't matter because Mark Andre mm-hmm. Fleury's not going anywhere. But mm-hmm. there's your update. Could be on interesting. That. Could be uh, we have an overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite that yeah. we're going to fly through. Real quick before that, uh, Sheldon Keefe of the Toronto Maple Leafs fined $25,000 uh, as a result of his comments towards NHL referee Graham Skilleter 
in the game Saturday night against the Winnipeg Jets. I thought you'd enjoy that because I know you were fired up about uh, the oh, fact that I they was, got a penalty. I haven't I haven't been that physically angry in uh, years. So he's he's getting years. the suspension, which means he must have said something real nice. Yeah, good, good, honestly, because uh, you, uh, yeah, I don't want to get into that. Uh, our overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. <laughs> so, um, the reason I thought of this was that. Um, in May of last year, when we were all sitting at home and doing nothing, we did a bracket series. And uh, there were a bunch of brackets that we did, and one of the brackets that we did was best uh, rock bands. We sorted it by continent. And I had, uh, a, oh, it was you, me, and Cam Thomas. And I had a former uh, uh, friend of the show and, and guest of the podcast, Mike Wern, look over the selections. And his argument to me was, why would Bon Jovi not be in the top 16 on the American side. Uh, to which I said, because Bon Jovi uh, is is fine, but they're not that great. And then he starts arguing with me about album sales and stuff like that. I can't take any of that away from Bon Jovi. Uh, and I actually like Bon Jovi. Uh, but I don't love them. I think they're, they're uh, not as good as people think they are. So I wanted to do uh, overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite of Bon Jovi because I do like them, but I also think that there are some things to say about Bon Jovi. So, yeah. uh, James, what, what do you think is the most overrated Bon Jovi song? The most overrated Bon Jovi song. So many options. Yeah, <laughs> really. Honestly, it's it's got to be um, Living on a Prayer. It's fair. I... Look, I get it. That yeah. chorus is catchy as hell, but it's not a great song. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bon Jovi. That's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mine's "You Give Love a Bad Name" uh, or "Shot that? or Shot Through the Heart." <laughs> I don't know what it's actually called. Uh, that should tell you everything you need to know about the song because I don't actually know the real title of the song. So it's it's good. Yeah, it's a good song. It's just not. Uh, like many of Bon Jovi's songs. Like, here's a problem. If you grew up in Thunder Bay, you grew up listening to Rock 94, who for some reason seems to have a, a loose affiliation with the band Bon Jovi because uh, they love Bon Jovi, they love ACDC. There's a few other bands. They just never come off the air. They're always on. Bon Jovi is fine, but even of their era, they're not like a, they're not even like a top 30 band of the 80s to me. Like, they're, they're just not. They're good, mm-hmm. but they're not amazing. It's fine. I love Richie Sambora. He's he's great. Uh, Richie Sambora played uh, lead guitar on uh, a song with my yes, uh, singer. So there yes, he go. did. He's he's deadly. Yeah, don't get me wrong. But. Big shout out. I'm yeah. personal friends with Richie Sambora. I'm personal friends with a personal friend of Richie. Sam- I'm personal friends with a personal friend of a guy that used to know Richie Sambora. That's closer to Richie Sambora than I am. <laughs> Uh, should I be though? You're 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 four degrees of separation. I'm five degrees of separation because I know you're because you know me. So because I know you, so you're my buffer there. Perfect. That's right. You don't have like a a great uncle that's best friends with Richard Sambor or something. Uh, that could be closer. I was watching a hockey game tonight with my mom. I was watching it with my mom, and she uh, she asked me. We were talking about Ron McLean. She mm. just looks at me. She's like, "Have you ever met Ron McLean?" And I thought about it. I'm like, I don't think I have. I met Brian Burke once, though, Oof. and that that was my segue. Like that's what I thought was the, the comparable. Eh? That was the yeah. comparable because they know each other. Um, my your underrated. <laughs> my underrated so. is uh, it's between two. Uh, um, 
I'm going to go with probably the more underrated, and I'll pick the other one for my favorite. Uh, Someday I'll Be Saturday Night. Yeah. I, I love that song. It's a good song. And I don't I don't know. I don't think a lot of people know it. Or if they do, then maybe they don't know it as a Bon Jovi song. It's not a rock. Uh, it's rock, not a rock 94 favorite. Oh, so definitely it's little, not. <laughs> well, it's a deep cut, yeah. but also not actually a deep cut. Yeah. Still made the greatest hits album, but it's at the end of the greatest hits album. It's good. So, yeah. I, I, I really like it. Not your typical Bon Jovi song. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. fair. It's My Life is my underrated one. I okay. think uh, yeah. I was always a big fan. As a kid, I thought it was great. Uh, even when I started for, like first started listening to music, the band that got me into music was uh, Boston. That uh, was the first band where I ever started listening to songs, and I'm like, this band kicks ass. I want to listen to more music kind of thing. And my dad kind of started showing me some music. And uh, It's My Life was, was a big Rock 94 song that came on all the time. And uh, that is one song. I remember hearing it when I was nine years old, and I loved it. I thought it was badass. I, I thought it was great. Uh, I hear it today, and I it has never gotten old to me. I love that song. I think it's 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 great. Um, but it doesn't really get talked about as one of the top Bon Jovi songs, and I do think that it is of their hits. It's it's one of their best. But okay, yeah, good pick. Thank you. Yeah, your favorite, sir. Bad medicine. Yeah, eh? Yeah. Really? There, there, there's a bit of a connection. I kind of uh, thought you and I were going to have the same favorite. And I think there's uh, similar songs, but yeah, no, Bad Medicine is, yeah. is good. There, there's a bit of a personal connection with that song, and I don't love Bon Jovi enough to, like, pick something else strictly because of, a, like, a, a, a musical level side of things. Sure. I'm going with the personal thing and uh i'm gonna stick with bad medicine okay yeah you care to share the personal it's a little yeah um it's a deep one maybe perhaps well okay dim the lights down here i'm 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 dating a girl named madison i don't know if you know that you (laughs) it's been a while since you've seen her from from what she told me today oh god do i miss her she she does miss she wanted me to tell you that she does miss you very much god i think uh I think what was it uh, the the day at uh, Chapels when, when we all went sliding medicine. drunk on the on the hill that was the last time she that saw you. Was the last she says it's been far too long. So, um, but yeah, no. Um, I, when I met her, uh, a lot of our early, you know, relationship was being too nervous to go to each other's houses and you know, like face the parents. So we would drive around and just fun. listen to music and have a good time and uh, you know whatever else. But I can't remember what song it was. And she, she was always talking about how, like, there's no good songs about Madison. And I took Bad Medicine <laughs> and kind of adopted it to be Bad Madison. Bad Madison. Because the way he says medicine is, is very, it's, it's a little, you know, you know what you're saying because of the title of the song. But if it wasn't the title of the song, you would have a hard time understanding what he's saying. Sure. And she absolutely fucking loved that. And it became a staple on the uh the, the shuffle playlist hmm. uh, in the early years of our relationship, and um, it uh, just kind of grew from there. And uh, I'll, I'll toss it on whenever I'm driving around with her, and we'll have a good laugh. So nice, yeah. It's the only Bon Jovi song I will That's actively fair. seek out to put on <laughs> the radio. Okay, <laughs> okay. That's fair. Uh, my favorite is "Lay Your Hands on Me." I, I, it's the it's okay. Uh, it gets. Hey, you said this was a sexy podcast at the top of the hour. It's a sexy podcast. I, I, now. I think that song kicks ass. Like that that song, that's got a lot of oomph. 
That's six minutes of just like it's yeah. it's kind of <laughs> that's the key. It's six it's, minutes. It's like six. It's like six minutes. Like that's like kind of self indulgent for the first like two ish. Mm. But like once it gets going, it's like man, it, it reminds me of White Snake a little bit. Like it just like it 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 fucking kicks yeah. and and yeah. I like it. Uh, I've never gotten tired of it. I really enjoy it. Uh, if the intro weren't so long, it would be um, higher up on my list. That's of, just it. It's a little like, too long among my favorite songs, but I don't care. Like I, I, I will take, I'll take the two minutes of anticipation because every time I listen to it, it feels like I'm at a concert almost, where it's just like, ah, you know what's coming, <laughs> but you'll just wait anyway, right? Like, you'll enjoy it. I, I love it. I think, I think it kicks ass. Good. I actually really, really like that song. I'm glad for you. Least favorite. Uh, Blaze of Glory. Don't even have to think about it. Awful song. <laughs> Fucking get it out of here. Toss it. I don't want to hear that song again. Jesus Christ, that's a bad song. Isn't that the Robot Horse song? That's the Robot Horse song. <laughs> for sure. It's a song about a robot horse. What are you talking about? It's a robot horse Fucking song. terrible. Who would write a song with a robot horse? That's a dumb idea. It's okay. 1990. You know robots back then. Barely any horses back then. It's the name of the goddamn album. It's the self-title off the album. It's I mean, there's no, barely it's... horses back then. No, they killed them all off. I don't know. There people driving cars by that point. What do, you mean they, what do you mean they killed them all off? You know horses still exist, right? Have you seen a horse? But, like, barely. You've never seen a horse. I've been on one. Well, yeah, and they still exist. But barely. They're dying off. All right, well... That brings me to my last point of the night. If you can uh, donate to our charity of choice tonight, uh, save the horses. Tonight's guest, Bob Barker, would like you to spade and neuter your horses Mm, to help control the host population. Yeah, no shit. Seen the size of those things? Uh, My least favorite song by Bon Jovi is I'll Be There For You. It was between that and Bed of Roses, but uh, I went I'll Be There For You because the line, these five words I swear to you, Hmm. are... It's one of the, I would say, ten most cringeworthy cho- choruses that I've ever heard in my life. I, I, I think it is just, it is awful. I, I think that is terrible. <laughs> I, I, uh, lyrically, musically, I think it is a, it's a horrendous piece of shit, to quote uh, Jay Baruchel. I don't like it. It really Not is. Not a big fan. So. Um, well, but I like John Bon Jovi. Like, I like the dude. Look, I know cool. you don't like the series... I like the series a little bit more, and I love the character. Barney Stinson I knew that was loves Bon Jovi. He gets amped every time. I think that's cool. Look, there's a place for Bon Jovi. It's just not in your everyday. Yeah. It's it's on the Friday night at the Shag. Sure, At the exactly. Coliseum. But, but early. But early. It, it's got to be like the 9, 30, 10 o'clock time slot that you throw on, living on a prayer, or, you know, uh, you give love a bad name, but you don't hear him again. You're not hearing Bon Jovi at midnight because that's when your Tiesto's coming on. That's when your Pitbull's coming on. That's the that's the fun night and fucking uh, fucking right. Bon Jovi comes on early enough that the grandparents are still around. They've come. And they they paid for their prizes. They they made their their appearance. They shook the hands, but it's it's bedtime. They got to go home. Oh, we heard Bon Jovi. That's that's so nice. They're still they still enjoy our music. And then and then we have fun later. So hmm. that's Bon Jovi to me. I um. I think of, I, I made this comparison to you over text earlier. I think of Bon Jovi in the same light as I think of Motley Crue. Okay. Like, I I, I am happy they exist. They're just not for me. Mm. You know? But they do have a couple songs that kick ass. Both bands, like, 
you know, it's the same thing as Motley Crue. Like, you know, what would be my favorite Motley Crue song? It's the same old situation. I think that song fucking, that kicks ass. I love Fun that song. fucking song. I Great l- song. love it. I'll never get tired of it. But most of their hits are super, you know, mechanical to me. And I just don't get anything out of them. You know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's really hard to do this because uh, we can't do it at the top of the episode. Um, so the only time we can do this at the end of the, end of the episode um, but since we talked to you guys last, we did lose a couple people in the sports world. Chris Schultz passed away from TSN. Um, uh, obviously a big part of the uh, TSN CFL crew, professional CFL player, professional NFL player. Uh, he uh, died suddenly at the age of 61. Uh, spent a lot of time. Anytime you watch CFL in Canada, yeah. that was the guy. Yeah, I was talking to uh, John Chozik, former guest of the podcast, uh, when Schultz passed away, literally probably two days before he passed away, I was watching um, TSN and I was thinking to myself, I, I wonder where Chris Schultz is at. Mm-hmm. And I was literally Googling him for probably 15 minutes a couple days before that happened. Um, Schultz is awesome. Mm-hmm. He, he was great. Like I, I really enjoyed him. He, he had a lot of fun energy, and even if I wasn't super interested in CFL stuff, I was super interested in Chris Schultz. Yeah. And so, uh, if, yeah, it's it's a big loss. If you get the chance, go on uh, go online somewhere and find uh, James Duffy and uh, the eulogy he gives at Chris Schultz's funeral talking about uh, the earpiece incident. I'll, le- I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, go enjoy that yeah, if, yeah, if you can. Uh, the other person we lost was Walter Gretzky. Uh, yeah. The s- same day that we lost Chris Schultz. Uh, father, of course, of Wayne Gretzky, the Order of Canada. Um, <clears throat> hockey's dad. Um, Always wanted to meet him. There, were, I, there are very few famous people that I ever have a desire to meet. Yeah, but Walter Gretzky was one of them, and I'm, it's a shame I never got to meet him. I, I remember the day he he passed away. I was I was had to work that evening, and I was talking to our boss, and 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 she mentioned that uh, she'd had the opportunity to meet him and had some nice. some items autographed and. Couldn't say enough nice things about the guy. I don't. I don't. I, I don't know if anyone can say a bad thing about this guy. Um, Never heard one. Yeah. Uh, big Leaf fan. Big presence at the Scotiabank Arena. Yeah. Every Saturday night, it seemed like he'd be uh, taking a bow, and um, wow, yeah, uh, a, a big loss for sure. Um, and uh, I always think of the shots after, uh, or the shot after the Roberts goal in overtime. Yeah. It's one of the first shots. Is is Walter Gretzky mm-hmm. and. And whoever he's with sitting in the and he's just got his leather jacket on. He just looks like Same another guy jacket. in there, eh? yeah. but he's clapping and he's fucking freaking out. And it's uh, yeah, that's the first image that comes to my mind when I think of Walter Gretzky. It's uh, yeah, it's a tough loss. It's uh, you know, it's uh, this is what happens when we take uh, too long between podcasts. Is we miss all these news and then we run long and then we <laughs> gotta, like save time for things at the end and. Um, but I, I did. I did want to make sure that we got we got that in yeah. because uh, there were two big, uh, larger than life people in the uh, sports world that we we lost on the same day. And yeah, um, yeah both will be missed yeah. by both of us, and uh, I'm sure many of you listening at home. So, uh, with that very depressing end of the podcast, uh, we will uh, talk to you again next week. And uh, you can find Brutes at uh, a website, the High Button, I believe. There it is. There it is. Uh, you cannot find me anywhere. Except this podcast. So, okay. <laughs> uh, until next time, uh, we'll see you then. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Mr. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that! Leave us alone!
Logic. I got a date with destiny. My heart says yeah, but can't convince the rest of me. I've tried so hard to make it with no recipe. My selfish ways caught up and got the best of me. I need redemption, no need to mention my past. Cause all that matters now is bigger than diamonds and cash. The glitz, the glamour, the lights, the camera, the action. It stays the fans, the speakers blasting. You know I want it, I need it. Don't doubt it, I can't live without it. This is everything I've dreamed of. It's everything I've ever wanted. But is it really truly in my plans? Put the guy mix up my blueprints. Did he have it right there in his hands? Anybody give me a hint? I can feel it now, I know it's coming. And I don't give a fuck what anybody say. I'm falling, I'm risen. I chose to select and dismiss. And incarceration through these bars created a prison. And I intend to do the time that this sentence is given. 25 to life, yeah, that's how I'm living. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever make it. But there's only one way I'ma know. I'm like a seed planted in the dirt. Feels like I've been waiting forever to.